Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I love Not typing. Not messing my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series. I've been doing this for six years. Screw <laughs> it up in the finale episode. Uh, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired to discuss and review the Supergirl season six episodes and to our series finale titled The Last Gauntlet and Kara. And uh, just so everyone knows, it looks like StreamYard is having some issues streaming to Facebook. So I just want everybody to know that. So if you see anybody on Facebook, tell them to come over to YouTube because <laughs> something is going. StreamYard, <laughs> don't they know this is an important episode? This is an important stream. So if kind you have a big one, <laughs> if you see anybody over there on Facebook, watching on Facebook, just uh, uh, holler at them and tell them to come over to YouTube. Uh, YouTube's where the where the party is anyway. So I so so let them know on Facebook if you get a chance. I'll try to pop in there in, in a second. But uh, if you see anybody over there, please let them know. So yeah, this is a big uh, live stream, big episode of Supergirl Radio. This is a uh, something that uh, we've been kind of uh, uh, we we've known about it for a while, but uh, now it's actually happened. The end of the show has arrived. I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready, but then somehow not ready at the same time. So uh, we will get into all of that. And just so everybody knows, um, uh, we're going to get to tweets and snap judgments for this episode. But emails, we're probably going to hold off on t uh, to next week because, Morgan, we had a lot of emails, a lot of people Ooh. with a lot of thoughts. Uh, so <laughs> just, due to, <laughs> just due to time, because we know we're we have to talk about two episodes um, so that's, uh, it's going to take up a lot of the stream and a lot of the episode this week. So we'll hold off on emails, uh, until the season retro season six retrospective. So if you don't hear your emails, uh, that's why. So, uh, we'll, we'll get to those next week. Uh, but first we need to get to the news. Ooh, a new graphic. You know, trying some new things, trying to Upgrade. update the... Upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> uh, upgrading. I don't know if people noticed there were a few slight differences to the opening and... Uh, now we're we're have a we have a few new little graphics, so uh, trying to trying to jazz it up for the finale Fancy. episode. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, I'm not fancy enough for this. <laughs> these new graphics. <laughs> um, okay, so the news now that Supergirl will no longer be airing episodes on Tuesdays, we are taking Tuesday nights back for Supergirl Radio. That's right. <laughs> 
Superman and Lois. We said it. We said it. We meant it. We're coming for you. (laughs) So Tuesday nights will now uh, once more uh, be the Supergirl Radio live stream. So starting next week, we're going to be going live on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Which was originally the the time we had for years and years and years. And uh, yes. then it got shifted and we had to bounce around during the week. So now we are uh, Tuesdays for forevermore. <laughs> Beaker is excited about our triumphant return to Tuesdays. Beaker, he's, he's t- back there tell somewhere. us how you feel, buddy. Don't jump up there, though. Seriously. <laughs> don't, don't. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're looking at. I don't want you to do it. <laughs> it looks like he's he's looking for something to read, maybe. But he does look like maybe he's trying to hop He looks something. like he's got a plan or something, and I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Can I hear a meow and just see the cat, like, flail at a wall or something? If, if we hear something crash, we'll, we'll know what's We'll know what's it's happening. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, if you're looking for us in the the week um, starting next week, we're going to be on Tuesdays. So look forward to that. We're taking it back. And uh, speaking of which, we wanted to let everybody know to save the date for November 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern because we will be having another call-in show. Uh, so if you enjoyed the first one we did, which was on uh, actually Supergirl's birthday slash the date <laughs> that the show was announced to be ending. So uh, you if you remember what a fun party that was, <laughs> that was a real fun party. So uh, we, we had cupcakes. We had, uh, you know, a therapy session. It was great. It was great. <laughs> so uh, so if you enjoyed that call in show, we're going to be doing that same format again on November 30th. Uh, we'll be talking about the legacy of the CW Supergirl uh, TV series, and you'll have the opportunity to join us on the live stream to discuss the series as a whole and what you hope future interpretations of the characters uh, of the character might use uh, from the show. It's it's now added to the mythology, so we're going to be talking about uh, what we would want uh, future uh, Supergirl stories or future TV shows or future movies to take uh, from the CW Supergirl TV series. So during the live stream, we'll include a StreamYard link in the video description, and that will send you to our backstage where we can bring you in. So that will be uh, hopefully pretty easy. It seemed like people were able to do that in our first call-in show. So uh, get your thoughts ready, bring all your thoughts and feelings, and uh, we'll bring you on to the live stream. So I think that would be a lot of fun uh, to hear from everybody else. And so just uh, make sure you save that date and uh, keep in touch with us for that. Okay, well, Morgan, I guess we should just pull the trigger and just start talking about this uh, this <sighs> two-hour series finale. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we are going to first talk about the, uh, I guess, the technical, uh, technically, the uh, penultimate episode of <laughs> the series. It was just like two episodes smushed together and not like a two-hour <laughs> two series finale. We wouldn't want that. <laughs> well, Veronica, the description writer, made sure to distinguish between the two. So we'll get Thank to you, Veronica. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Veronica coming in clutch here at the very end. She really had, she wanted to give us everything we wanted in these uh, official descriptions <laughs> right before the end of the show. So we are going to discuss the two hour series uh, finale of Supergirl through each of the episodes. So the first one we'll discuss is uh, titled the last gauntlet. And here is the official description. Uh, Veronica writes, quote, in the <laughs> penultimate buildup of the season finale, Supergirl and the Super Friends take drastic action after a loved one is kidnapped by Nixley and Lex, an, unli- an unlikely alley. Ah, I screwed that up. An <laughs> unlikely 
ally steps in to help the team, unquote. So Veronica made sure to add the penultimate in there. So I really, really Good appreciate job. <laughs> such a Such a Supergirl radio thing for her to do for this episode. All right. <laughs> such, such, a, such a solid move for her because... <laughs> That was one of my favorite things about the episode. <laughs> Just being able to say the word penultimate. So we'll have to say it a lot in this first uh, discussion of this first episode. So I guess uh, the the big the big part about this uh, first hour of the two hour series finale, the penultimate episode, was uh, that they the super friends were trying to figure out how to get Esme back from Nixley and Lex. She's been kidnapped, and there's a whole thing about exchanging the totems for Esme. Uh, but there are two different plans here. Uh, Alex sure. wants to make the exchange with the totems and kind of pay a, a ransom, if you will. And Supergirl wants to uh, try to supercharge herself using satellites and the sun to do so. So Morgan, what did you think about the two plans? And uh, did you think one was better than the other? No, they were both bad. <laughs> uh, it's hard to really, it's hard to really pick which was the worst one um, because Alex's plan was like, let's just give them everything that they want, and like, sure, let's hope that they're benevolent rulers in the future. <laughs> Not a great plan. And then Kara's was like. Let's supercharge me with the sun. It's going to like take out the sun for a while. <laughs> the sun is like a little bit necessary for like living on Earth. And so that's going to be a bummer for like a lot of people, but not me. I'm going to be great. Like I'm going to be <laughs> living my best life. I'm going to be more powerful than I've ever been. And uh, yeah, so neither of those plans, uh, in my opinion, were good or reasonable plans. <laughs> um, so it's really a, it's like a spy versus spy, but like both spies are bad at their job kind of situation. <laughs> like there's really no winners here, I think is the, is the long and the short of it. I feel like Alex's plan was understandably bad, but like Kara's was like a real puzzler for me. It's like, Kara, you thought just taking, just taking out, taking down the sun totally is just gonna well, Morgan, she was just going to put it back. She's going to put she's the gonna fix sun it. back. She was going to fix the sun somehow. Um, and I guess, like, in her mind, right, she's like, well, I threw the hope totem into the sun. <laughs> um, and then it just popped back up. Like, so, so in, in, maybe in her mind, she's like, you know what? Everything's coming up, Kara. Well, that's just Brady told me it's going to be okay. And he's never wrong except for how he's almost always wrong. So <laughs> let's, let's just really go with this. And I was like, car girl, are you sure? I know he keeps saying he's smart, but do we know that he's smart? <laughs> uh, uh, and I also like that she decided to do it. Like I'm going to jump around a little bit, but she decided to do it uh, in the middle of the city where it was going to cause, like, the most chaos and confusion. She was like, all right, Brainy, I'm downtown when everybody's commuting home. Hit me. <laughs> I was like, are you sure you don't want to just, like, go out into a field somewhere and do this? She was like, no, I need an audience. I'm Supergirl. And I was like, well, okay. Well, and how does that jive with the uh, the introduction of this season of their, their like, w w we, we, we don't, we don't want to look bad the in the public. Think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that the whole introduction of we don't, you know, we don't want to like look bad in the public eye. Do you think that was building towards this? Is that, it, is that somehow connected? I I mean, I think that's a generous read. Let's put it. 
let's put it that way. Because I don't think that you would need to have like a certain amount of distrust to be like, hey, the sun's going out and it looks like she's stealing it. It's obviously Supergirl. <laughs> Why is she doing that? That seems messed up. <laughs> uh, I don't think that you would need to have any level of distrust in Supergirl to be like, is she stealing the sun? Like, did we okay that? Like, I don't think that you need a build up for that. My other favorite thing was like, she was getting more and more powerful with the sun so that she could hear the, like, uh, the conversation of a person like 10 feet away from her. She has super, super I was, hearing. Right. I was like, I was like just screaming into a pillow at that point. I was like, <laughs> she has super hearing. Like Al and his buddy aren't that far away, right? Like she could have heard them normally like, <laughs> like she's literally in the middle of the city like she is not in like a in a confined area she's not somewhere doing this where it's far away she is like downtown in the middle of like in the middle of traffic doing this and like i don't know why people are concerned about this why why is everyone looking at me girl girl you, you're making a spectacle of yourself <laughs> Literally, <laughs> literally making a spec. What what's the military trying to do? Stopping my plan to kill the sun. <laughs> Why can't people be cool? Supergirl, Supergirl, come on, man, come on. I like that. The, also, Lena was the only one that was like, "Hi, the sun is needed for like a just a wide variety of things." I know yeah. that we all think o ocean of the currents, climate, ocean plant currents, life, climate, growing things. I know that we all think of me as your friendly witch here, and that's what I'm really <laughs> committed to being now. But I did. I used to be a scientist, and I think that we need the sun like i feel like there was a whole twilight zone episode about what happens when that goes out and i feel like it ended in kind of a bad way and car is like lena lena look at me shh, shh go make a poultice and i was like okay so we're just ignoring lena now okay that's cool well and even lena was like you can't do this she'll be playing god and i was like lena would know lena would know lena was like excuse me as someone who briefly decided to make the world better against their will. <laughs> I've been giving a lot of uh, speeches in this episode, and I think that what you're doing feels a little bit like what I was doing. <laughs> you're just kind of spiraling out of my control. But and, and Carr's like, no, no, it's totally different. I'm killing the sun. And Lena's like, oh, okay. Well, if you put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't happy with Alex's plan. Uh, because she seemed really selfish. She was like, I don't care if they like get all that power and rule the world as long as my thing is, you know, fixed and it doesn't matter. And it, that it was so I think there was an argument like that was like, well, it's it's I mean, in the short term, you'll have your daughter back. But in the long term, your daughter's going to grow up under kind of a despot rule. Tyrannical of <laughs> rule. <laughs> yeah. So maybe not the best plan. My other favorite thing. In that section, the, the other part of the episode that I just like legit screamed into a pillow during was like when uh, Supergirl gets the destiny totem and Alex just like walks up and like grabs the totem out of her hand and Supergirl's like, what can I do? She took it. And then Alex like slowly walks away and Supergirl's like, nothing doing you guys couldn't <laughs> have prevented that. And I was like, she didn't even run. She didn't even run, Kara. She just 
power walked away from you. You are Supergirl. It was, yeah, that was a that was a tough moment for me as well. It's like you know you could stop her. Did, you could did just it, stop her. <laughs> did it take you a second to figure out how she got there? I was very confused. It wasn't until my second viewing I was like, oh, I guess she had like a transmet portal. I think everybody's got a portal watch. I was a uh, I was chatting with a uh, I I believe it was like the. It, the gay gals watch podcast um and <laughs> they haven't been watching for a while uh, at least one of uh, uh one of the girls hasn't been watching for a while and so they were like how does everybody have a portal watch now like how are people getting around magically i was like oh yeah no everyone has a portal watch now i don't know when that happened honestly i couldn't pinpoint it for you but everyone does including the villains everyone has a portal watch so now now that's kind of putting a little bit of a hole in the William death thing. I mean, there are already a lot of holes in that William death thing. They didn't give him it, a portal watch. They didn't give him one. And then if Jean had been like scanning the tower or whatever, <laughs> like they would have known something was wrong. And Alex or Kelly or whoever could have like portaled into the tower. No one cared about William at all. Like not even in the, the least amount. They didn't give him. I bet that they didn't even put up the in case of emergency numbers on the fridge. I think they were just <laughs> like, you're going to be fine. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Isn't somebody trying to, uh, to, to kill you guys and get all these totems that you have? And they're like, no, it's cool. We're going to go at a party. You're good with her? You're good with her? He's like, uh, do you want to leave me the name or number of her doctor? And they're like, nah, she's good. Bye. <laughs> like, they didn't give him a portal watch. They, he he could have just not called Not a signal watch? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's a little frustrating. I was at least, even though the, the sun, getting supercharged by the sun was kind of a dumb plan, <laughs> I liked that it, it made it seem like Supergirl was going to take an active role in whatever this was. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and and I really wanted Kara's idea to work because Alex was, she was so combative in that first episode. And I was just like, why? I don't like this at all. I, <laughs> I just, I don't know why they waited until like the last couple of episodes to like really like try to skewer the Danvers sisters. And and so at that point I was like, Alex, I'm, I'm, I'm over you. I'm done with you. I don't like I was... anything you're doing. And I was pulling for Kara's idea to work, even though it was so dumb. <laughs> they were both such bad ideas. But I was so annoyed with Alex in the first episode. And like to your point, I feel like the they've been mostly ignoring the Danvers sister relationship this like back half of the season since Kara's been back. Like there was like maybe one or two good episodes with them, and then nothing pretty much for the last few and once they remembered like oh we should have some danvers sister stuff they're like what do people like when they fight <laughs> no that's not what the people like and so i feel like all they've been doing recently is fighting which is not super fun to see it's like also a weird way to go out with these characters that have always been like really supportive of each other and good sisters just to have them like constantly at each other's throats and like to have alex be like well sorry car i'm just gonna have to take this and you're just gonna have to deal with it And i was like she literally doesn't because she's Supergirl. she's letting you take that she's letting you take that <laughs> Well, and also Alex was like, um, if, if, uh, if your plan fails, I'm never going to forgive you. Like it was so like, <laughs> she jumped to like crazy town yeah, for no reason. And I just, I, I couldn't get over that. I just was kind of like, Oh, I don't like that. But I, so I was a little disappointed in some way that the supercharging thing 
got called off. And I understand why it did, because A, she was destroying the sun. Uh, B, she was doing it in front of everybody, and it was a little ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> and then I, I understand that she was like, you know, power, you know, seizing power is what our enemies do and all that. But I thought the idea of the power theme for lack of a better word. I don't really know if it's a theme. <laughs> um, technically, she but, had the power. But I thought the idea of exploring power, or at least in my mind, maybe this is not the intention of the writers, is that power can be good and power can be bad determining, uh, you know, who is wielding it. That's yeah. that's how I feel about it. Like, you can put good people uh, in charge with some power and they can, if they choose to, they can do good with it. Um, so I was kind of hoping that was where they were going with it, but they just, <laughs> they just dumped the idea of having power all together. And, um, and I guess, uh, I don't know if we want to jump straight to <laughs> the idea of, um, because this is the episode. Uh, is this the episode where she? No, the the next episode is where she uh, she gives the hope speech. So we'll, <laughs> her we'll, patented hope speech. We'll talk. We'll talk about that in the next in the actual uh, technical finale episode. But, but I it, just it was like they remembered that they had said earlier in the season that the theme was going to be about power, and they got to like the penultimate episode, and they were like, "Ooh." Did we forget that power thing? Let's just really hammer it home. Let's hammer it so hard that people are like, stop. Um, Because that's what it kind of felt like to me. She was like, ooh, all this power. And everybody was mentioning, oh, the power. And I was like, oh, oh no. This episode is brought to you by the word power. <laughs> they definitely used it in this last two episodes to really to really bring that idea home. But I just I just thought, why why can't Supergirl use her power? Why why is that a bad thing? Why why couldn't she use her power to do something good? Uh so I was a little confused about that idea. So uh both of those ideas seem to uh sort of blow up in their faces um uh somewhat uh literally uh because when they go to uh make the exchange with Nixley and Lex uh you know things don't go so well. So I I have a lot of questions about that portion of of the episode. Um, okay. This bridge. Did we know about this bridge? I was trying to remember and I didn't have a chance to go back and look it up because they did mention the Omega Hedron. They, they did. The Fort Ross crash site, which I was like, okay, so they do sort of remember a season one. But did the Omega Hedron, somebody in the chat let us know, uh, did, did it explode? Because that's what it sounded like. I I just remember like General Lane and Maxwell Lord like having it, having it at the end. Yeah, of season one. and so then that's... and then it feel like it was like a a thing that they were setting up for season two, and then it moved networks and maybe some ideas about what season two was going to end up being, and then it never came back into play. So I was surprised when they were like, yes, when the Omega Hedron exploded, I was like, on this show? That happened? <laughs> <laughs> on this show or on the better show that runs parallel where everything happens? Yeah, uh, people in the chat are uh, uh, confirming some of our suspicions. Uh, <laughs> Emma's saying the, the Omega Hedron didn't blow up in season one. It was taken by Lane and Max. Uh, Leslie said there is no bridge from season one. 
uh daryl said lex said it exploded uh, <laughs> uh, uh ollie's saying nope never heard about the bridge before uh claudia saying it was literally a bridge in the middle of nowhere <laughs> uh so oh and uh even hegel hegel blast said fort ross crash site was in the desert no trees streams and we didn't see a bridge yeah so it, it's one of those things where once again for plot reasons that one could argue as writers you could make different because it's, you were in charge it's a, of it's a post-crisis post Amade world you can is everything is everything is just within your imagination so for plot reasons they made up this bridge and then tried to gaslight into us to believing <laughs> it, it existed all along um because they do have that power. They do. Um, and they're not using it responsibly. <laughs> uh, so I'm sitting there going like, wait, what? Did I miss an episode? Do I not remember this episode? All these things are possible. And I was like, oh, my God. The Omega Hedron exploded? Like, I don't know. What are they talking about? It sounds like word salad. So they make up this. They basically make up like a MacGuffin, like a plot MacGuffin. So that they can all have this fight on the bridge without powers. But then, like, immediately they get powers in the fight. And so yeah. one begins to wonder, why did they have to make up the non-powered bridge? Also, it's a it's a bridge where not only powers don't work, but all technology doesn't work. And that seems like a stretch. What? Why would that be the case? This seems like a very convenient bridge that we've never <laughs> visited before. Could have been useful in other situations. <laughs> yeah, Electra WWF says, here's a question. Wasn't the exchange site supposed to make them uh, all unable to use their powers in tech? And yet they still did? Yeah. Question mark? Yeah, no. Um, no, that was a tough That was a tough moment for me. <laughs> watching the show. Because once again, I... I <laughs> been complaining about this all season but they'll set up something specifically and then undermine it sometimes in the same scene it used to be like scenes apart they'd undermine it or like episodes apart they'd undermine it and now it's happening within lines of each other so, <laughs> so now they're going like we have to go to the no power no technology bridge and like as soon as they get to the bridge they're like pew 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 and they never explain why they can use it <laughs> yeah not sure says uh they said that no powers or tech works near where it exploded but those those bombs seem to work pretty well <laughs> yeah are those not considered technology now and now are we gonna have to get into the nitty-gritty of what is considered to be technology <laughs> like i can understand like a no powers bridge like i can buy that but once you get into no powers and no technology then i'm like wait why is it a wi-fi dead zone like what <laughs> does verizon not cover this bridge like i don't understand why the technology and then what is tech like what is art like what is technology like, art is paintings consider? of horses we all know this i still think art is that scene where the the guy died for the sandwich in one <laughs> spot but um but I yeah, would kill like, for a sandwich right now. I'd kill for a sandwich. <laughs> Be careful of your words. <laughs> <laughs> but like it just it didn't. Oh God, that the bridge, 
The bridge really killed me. That was yeah. a bridge to nowhere for me. <laughs> Adeline says, are Lillian's electric shoes not considered technology either? They That's- certainly are. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, I was really confused when I was initially watching it because when Alex was looking for a weapon, like in the arsenal of the tower, I was like, what? She's got that hand of the soldier thing. Why? Why does she? And I was like, oh, they said no tech or superpowers, but they did still work. I will say when she was going through the the weapons room and like just grabbing giant guns off the wall, I did have myself a little laugh because I was like, guns are bad, though, right? Guns are so bad. Nobody should have guns. Except Alex. <laughs> Except everyone at the tower. Alex is like, no one should have guns. As she like just straps up Rambo style. <laughs> it's like, I don't understand what the show wants me to think. And even uh, when Akrata shows up at the tower, Lena points a gun at her. <laughs> well, Lena never agreed to that. <laughs> Lena <laughs> did stand up for the Second Amendment. She was, fair, she was always Lena was like, Amendment. I'm a big fan of guns. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She's like, sometimes you just got to put on your murder and leather jacket and you got to go to town. I'm like, Lena, no. <laughs> Lena, true. we've That's talked about consistent. this. Very consistent for Lena Luther. So that that seems to to jive pretty well. That's character correct. But yeah, no, the, the, the bridge um, made my brain feel melty. Uh, so I'm glad it wasn't something that I forgot about and it was just something that they pulled out of nowhere for the penultimate episode. <laughs> it's it's fun to get new established lore one episode from the end of your show. What you want to <laughs> do. And this is like definitely show writing. Um, so this is like a masterclass. It's just keep establishing new things as you go towards your finale (laughs) and they don't have to be small new things either is one of your characters secretly a witch you're gonna want to pull that out maybe five episodes from the end (laughs) (laughs) even better though you want to go back to the beginning circle back to the beginning and then change the beginning you're gonna want to rewrite that whole thing <laughs> it turns out she was in stem against her will the science was was <laughs> was what uh was what was holding her back from her Ch- magic change L- lena's story change the fort Roz thing just just really just clean slate just just <laughs> redo everything that's that's what what that's what viewers and fans really want is is if you change everything that they've been paying attention to for six years. That's that's really what fans of a show. That's I mean that's usually what I'm for. what I'm looking for towards the end of the a long running show is like what if you just messed up my whole conception of what I've been watching for like <laughs> the past five to six years? I I really want you to like have fun, play mind games with yeah. me, make me believe I missed an episode where an Omega Hedron exploded. We're all having fun here, <laughs> like watching the show going. I've been watching this the whole time, right? Like, <laughs> what episodes did I miss? And the writers are like, none. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll talk about this at some point. I think in the set, the uh, in our discussion of uh, the the Kara episode, the series finale. But there do seem to be different versions that air in Canada. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we've been watching a version of the show oh that's my not God. the same version. Maybe there's a like a separate. <laughs> Like a completely separate version of the entire series. I want to believe that there's a version of Supergirl that's been airing in Canada that is like airtight and logical. (laughs) 
<laughs> and sometimes when like people get mad at us on Twitter, it's because they've been watching that version. It and makes like, so much Why sense. Why are you so mad at this great show that never has any plot holes? <laughs> <laughs> we love Supergirl, the show that makes complete sense over here in Canada. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that would make so much sense. I did, I will say that for that fight with the bridge when they were trying to make the exchange with uh, Esme and Nixley, I really liked some of the camera work. I think what, what I did like about these, the, the two episodes that made up the, the two hour series finale <laughs> is that the show was taking some chances. I thought in the way it presented the story and the fights and uh, the way that they took chances, chances with like uh, coloring and uh, camera work and shot composition. And so that I thought was was great. I thought some of the direction and the camera operation was awesome. Uh, some of the, you know, the 360 uh, camera going around some of the fights, um, which it, I thought that was awesome because you get You could actually like focus on whatever part of the fight you wanted to. Like I was. Uh, mostly watching uh, Alex and well, Sentinel and Guardian fight um, Lex. And it was kind of fun because Lex would like throw Sentinel into Guardian, into the shield. And so you could see some of these like really uh, smaller details within the fight because you could see the entire thing and you could pick what part of the fight you wanted to watch. And so I thought that was cool. I thought that yeah, whole, like, no. 360 camera stuff was really cool. That was cool. Was it, was this one Glenn Winters? Who directed this? Uh, I believe so. I think so. Yes, Glenn Winter. And he's done a bunch of, I feel like not just Supergirl, but like a bunch of different um, superhero was, shows was in he general. The, was he the one who directed the Smallville pilot? I think so. And I think he did a couple episodes of Smallville as well. So I think he's pretty familiar with the genre. Like the fights were very well directed and like very like dynamic and uh, and fun to watch i thought which was which was pretty pretty cool um because sometimes sometimes on the show with the some budget constraints some of the fights can get a little hokey uh if we're being honest and this one i thought was really well like choreographed in that there was a lot of stuff going on you could really kind of follow the action and it was dramatic uh and i really liked that Glenn Winter also, I just looked it up, he directed the Supergirl pilot as well. So oh. it was nice that he came back towards the end to uh, to kind of wrap up the show. So I, I think Glenn Winter is, you know, he, to your point, I think he's a master at the genre and he he knows what he's doing when he's directing these superhero TV shows. So I, I thought he, he took some chances to mix it up for some of these things and I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, I um, like the directing in this one. It was very, it felt very confident and like, you know, he knew what he wanted to put on screen. And I like that. Yeah. So that, that I thought was good. Um, so one of the, the big surprises for me in this episode was uh, the return of a character that we both love. Um, and, uh, so we'll, we'll talk more about her in the second, uh, the second episode we're going to talk about, but so, uh, what did you think about the return of a Lillian Luther? Um, love her. Love Lillian. So glad she was back. I was like, finally, we got a real villain up here. Not to, <laughs> not to say anything mean about Lex and Nixley. They're adorable. But Lillian Luther, she is an MVP. She walks into a room. She takes over that room. She walks in. She's like, Lex, 
I don't like what's going on. I don't like your new girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) She really meddled in their relationship. She was like, oh, yeah, you like her? I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) She's never getting an invite to Luther Thanksgiving. And Luther Thanksgiving is terrifying. So her walk. I liked her, like, all white ensemble like she was like, this is me. Look at how uh, look at how angelic I am here. <laughs> me, Lillian Luther, just a concerned mama bear. <laughs> yeah, can she, I kill uh, your girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a dynamic uh, thing to put Lillian in all white, which obviously th- there's a reason for that because when you're about to kill a character, you want to put in them the in white. Of the angels. <laughs> Because you want the ability to see their injury on the whites, you know, if it's blood or in Lillian's case, I think there was like some black stuff on her, on her uh, blouse. It was a singe. She got singe. (laughs) So, so there's a reason that she was wearing white so that we would be able to see her, her injury after she uh, got uh, mortally wounded. But I thought it was cool that she was in white uh, and facing up Nixley. Uh, facing up with Nixley, who was in all black. So I thought that was a, a dynamic contrast within their scenes. But yeah, I did think the um, the Nixley Lillian stuff was actually really juicy to watch because it seemed like Nixley already knew who she was when she walked in. Like, yeah. had Lex been talking to Nixley about his mom, like complaining about his mom? <laughs> My mom is such a chore. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to her, but I'm going to wait for a while because she can just be a little too much. And Nixley's <laughs> like, I don't care. And Lex is like, let me tell you about this one thing my mom did when she she bought my sister a horse, but I never got a horse. Lex wanted a horse, but he didn't get a horse. And Nixley's like, I can't hear about the horses anymore, Lex. I swear to God. <laughs> that's in my in my head. That's, uh, that's, that's what the they've mostly been talking about. <laughs> is all the horseback riding he didn't get to do as a child and that kind of explains their very abrupt breakup in these last two episodes (laughs) Nixie's like I'm out (laughs) yeah it was uh it was funny to see that uh Lillian did manage to get inside Nixley's mind Nixley was like no you can't mess with me I'm 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 totally secure what I'm doing here and then uh she planted a seed of doubt which I thought was uh was pretty great it's very classic Lillian Luther it was great. It was Nixie was like, listen, I know what I'm about. You can't I've heard all about you. You can't get into my head. And Lillian like just kind of gets close and was like, Can't I? And Nixley's like, Oh my God, I'm questioning everything. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the power of Lillian Luther. I cannot believe she was done so dirty by this show. But I'm glad that I'm glad that we got her back for one for one final episode. I, I love that she was part of the final battle. For no reason that I could figure out, if I'm being honest. It's like, what is she doing here? She would never, never go out into battle where she might smudge that perfect, pristine white pantsuit. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way. And she had, like, the, uh, she had, like, the special, like, I don't know, uh, shoes that electrocute you. Yeah. Uh, Love that. Love that energy that she was bringing to that (laughs) battle. Where do you get those? She came prepared. She did come prepared. She was like, I told Lena all about these shoes. Like, Lena got this idea from me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ermgard says in the chat, uh, Brenda said she does this thing where she will circle around a character like an anaconda goes around its prey. And uh, yeah, I think that's what she did with Nixley. And I, I thought that was a, a great choice. It was really fun to see the two of them because they're both really great actresses. Uh, I have such a respect for uh, Peta Sargent now after uh, this season because she despite w- <laughs> what you know some of the choices with Nixley I think she's she really knocked it out of the park and her performance is really stellar and to see her go up against Brenda Strong was such a treat for me personally so I really enjoyed uh, their scene yeah I loved their scene together and I thought it was so well done and and like you mentioned I I loved Nixley's I liked Nixley this season. I thought she was a a good foe and she was kind of allowed to be and and was a good villain that kind of had some uh some pathos and some backstory to her. Uh and then and then Lex kind of took over her story as he does with a lot of things on this show, but until then I was really loving the uh the Nixley stuff. So I did like that she got to go against like the one of the OG villains on the show, uh, which is <laughs> our girl Lillian Luther. Um, I see in the chat Linda has a question, which I also do. What happened to Mixie? It feels like didn't doesn't Lex like let Mixie out or like use the Mixie energy? Does that mean Mixie's dead? No, it sounded like, and I think this is kind of jumping ahead to the the technical series finale. But uh, oh, was that in the second part? When, uh, well, I think the release of the Mixie stuff is in this episode. But, okay, but when in the finale finale mentions that uh, Mixie's been hanging around the Legion in the future. So Mixie seems to be alive ah, okay. and well. Because he was going to get Alex and Kelly a, a wedding present, but it had to be under $40. So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's, hmm, okay. Because I, I would have loved to see him, is the thing. They, they put him in a magic globe, and then they released him, and then I guess he, like, immediately just went off screen. He was like, goodbye! Well, then- you know, they, they had to uh, do a lot of other things with the budget. They couldn't afford Thomas Lennon. That's uh, so true. They That's just true. had to mention him uh, when he was not on screen. So I guess, you know, you got to prioritize can't have other it all. things. You, you can't have it all. You can't have Callista Flockhart and Thomas Lennon and everybody else. I understand. I would have loved to see Mixie again. He was such a great character. Could have been a quick, <laughs> could have been like a quick scene. It would have been great to see him again. But I'm glad that he didn't stay in that little uh, snow globe the whole time. So, yeah, I'm a little disappointed. And I guess, again, this is probably due to budgetary reasons, but it would have been really interesting to see him in that globe like what was he doing in there like what you know was he doing things to prevent <laughs> Nixley from doing things because he was in there I wish we could have seen stuff like that but I'm sure it was a budget thing that they they just couldn't do it we just had to assume he was in there doing something but yeah he sort of sacrificed himself for them and I kind of think he deserved a little better in the end um so one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about before we uh, end our discussion about the last gauntlet was something that I found strange about the writing was that uh, twice in the episode, uh, Alex says uh, that she wants to kill Lex. She says uh, to Lex, she says, if you hurt my daughter, I will kill you. And then she says, I will kill Lex with my bare hands. And I just thought it was strange. Maybe it's just me and how I interpret foreshadowing. If you have a character say, I'm going to kill you, there needs to at least be an attempt. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, like, 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 shouldn't she have gotten, like, maybe even gotten close or, like, fought him? I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I just think from a, a writing standpoint, if you're going to have to, if you're going to have a character repeat several times that I'm going to kill that person. There should be, you should pay that off. Like, what if Alex had the opportunity to kill Lex? Like, she got the upper hand and she decided not to because, like, that's not the person. That's too much power. What a a great moment that would have been for her. And she could have been like, you know what? I have the power, but I'm ceding the power away. Yeah. I am not going to take down the sun. The crops need it. You know, like, <laughs> like what, what if she had the actual opportunity to like, to kill Lex and chose not to, what a powerful moment that would have been <laughs> what for a great Alex. Character moment what a for great her. character beat that could have been for her. So yeah. we don't want that. Yeah. I just thought that was a, that kind of bugged me in the episode. And I, I guess playing into the power theme of it all that her saying that was because she felt powerless i guess to a degree she alex admits to kelly that she feels powerless over what happened to esme and she sort of refers to it as uh her kryptonite so uh, i guess that was sort of all playing into it she was lashing out at lex because she she didn't feel powerful so i guess saying i'm gonna kill you made her feel powerful i guess but (laughs) but i just think from a writing standpoint don't don't ever just if you're an aspiring writer, here's my advice. Don't have a character say I'm going to kill you if they're not going to actually kill somebody. Uh, or or get close or have a decision to make about yeah. whether or not to do that. Like There should be just, a reason they say that. I, yeah. It, it felt like a th- it, it was a like kind of the definition of like an idle threat. Like she gets nowhere close to killing Lex. Or I mean, they fight, but it's they not fight. But yeah, but it's from the 360 camera where you're not like intimate with them as they're no, fighting. Yeah, like I I knew that they I remember that they fought, but it was like a kind of a chaotic fight scene. Like I I remember Lillian Luther like you know. Uh, electrocuting what was it Jean <laughs> with her special electric shoes so like there was a lot going on in that fight yeah so that that just bugged me and I wanted to mention it uh and uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention about this is they uh they go to the ruins of Saint Vasily's Cathedral in Prague and I was just curious if anybody else had looked that up because I couldn't find a St. Vasily's Cathedral in Prague. I think it's a fictional place. Uh, there <laughs> is a St. Uh, Vitus or Vitus Cathedral. So I guess they just sort of use that as inspiration and just uh, used a different cathedral name. So <laughs> I don't think that was a real place that they went to. Did you find the Destiny Gauntlet to be kind of hilarious? The thread? <laughs> it was a little too on the nose, I thought. <laughs> But, like, was the Destiny Gauntlet, like, you will have to see a bunch of flashes really quickly. You have passed. (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't really anything. I guess maybe if she had flinched or if she had (laughs) stopped or something, she faced it. Yeah, she was like, yeah, no, I. you just showed me those things and I saw them with my mind's eye and now i guess we're good i was like yeah she didn't really i mean too much to earn it i get that they were you know we're out of time to do these gauntlets but like uh, once again here we go could have been a supergirl character moment in this television show called supergirl in which the penultimate episode is all about supergirl's sister's 
daughter being kidnapped and how that's affecting Supergirl's sister, really. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, then we, and then we watch an episode where Supergirl's sister gets, gets married, married and yeah, has a happy so ending. Yeah. We're so happy for Supergirl's sister. <laughs> uh, but it just felt like, okay, well, this could be a nice car moment like she feeds she defeats the gauntlet because she's not been doing great with these gauntlets let's be honest <laughs> and no she just kind of watched some stuff and she was like cool i'm good and it was like you are good and i was like really that was it like she didn't she didn't have to it didn't have to get into her character at all she just had to watch some stuff I, I, in that way i've defeated the destiny gauntlet because i watched six seasons of this show <laughs> and some of them have been a challenge for me <laughs> and to your point the the stuff that she saw was mostly just the destruction of what nixley and lex were going to be doing right mm-hmm. it wasn't anything about kara specifically and personally much like much of the season (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that could have been a a a place where you could show Kara her destiny but then i would probably not like that though because i want Kara to be able to choose her destiny for herself i don't want somebody to force her to like you have to make this choice because you saw it in the destiny totem so i don't know that's I, uh, I feel like I'm gonna have a lot. Choice. I'm gonna have a lot to say about like random time travel destiny things in the next episode. But yeah, yes, I agree with that. Like, but it was just such a strange. Like, here's the final gauntlet. Maybe this one is gonna be about Kara and her character, and it's like, no, it's not. No, <laughs> we need more Lex and Nixley. What we really want to do is we want to deep dive into that random relationship that no <laughs> one cares about in the penultimate episode. That no like, one asked for. No one asked for. No one cares about. I was like, I don't care about this. I can't believe we're spending the penultimate episode. Like, will Lex and Nixley break up or will they make it? I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um, was this one? I believe this is the. One one where uh, Nixley take, does take a stand. One of the things I did like about Lex and Nixley in this uh, episode, The Last Gauntlet, was the fact that uh, they're able to access the love totem because Nixley like, uh, basically stands up for Esme and doesn't want Lex to harm her. So her love and protection for Esme gives her access to the love totem. I thought that was actually a really... Uh, nice way to do that because it did give some insight into Nixley and it did give um, uh, you know a surprise twist to it I I didn't see that coming so I thought that was actually pretty well done and it seemed like Lex was sort of tricking her into doing it too he was like faking like he was going to hurt Esme to get her to have that sort of almost maternal uh, instinct kick in to protect Esme so I thought that was nice yeah, yeah, I like that too. And I I like I've liked throughout the season that that Nixley is kind of a complicated villain that she can have moments of like genuine connection to people and understanding while still being like my evil plan <laughs> uh and you know and piling on more and more eyeshadow until like the eyeshadow has basically taken over her face <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's how you know she's evil because the eyeshadow is very dark like her soul um but i like that she's complicated that she's not just one thing or the other thing and and i've, I've appreciated that about the nixley storyline this this season the one thing that I thought was strange about the Esme of it all is that they made a big deal about her powers being like her, her mimic powers. I, I guess is help me think through this, Morgan. So 
would they give her mimic powers just to make her the love totem? Like that never came into play in like any of the battles that she she mimicked Nixley's fifth dimensional. Well, I guess she wouldn't even have to. Did, am I am I hallucinating this, or did they say that she had like partial fifth dimensional energy? Like I, is she part mm-hmm. is she part imp? I feel like they Esme? mentioned that. It, yeah, I feel like they somebody in the chat. Um, uh, I think she just this. mimicked. She just mimicked it, right? Because she's a mimic. I swear, I, I thought I, they like, the had a person. blood test that came. somebody in the chat uh, confirmed. Oh, it. she had fifth dimensional energy because of the love totem that had uh, tattooed its way onto her heart and her, the back of her neck. It, Leslie says there was fifth dimensional energy in her blood. But um, I thought that that was because of the totem. Because that's the love they, totem? Okay. That's when they figured out, okay. like, oh, no, she's the love totem. But by then, it was too late for her and poor William. Yeah, uh, Kanisha also echoes that, that it was probably because of the totem. Um yeah, because I guess they were it, trying to they were trying to like put off the blood test or something like that. Like it was all part of Lex's like, like nefarious plan for Alex to not check her email. I, I don't know. I just thought it was strange that uh, Esme's power to mimic other people's powers didn't. She could have supercharged. She could have been supercharged. She could have had Supergirl's powers. She could have had Dreamer's powers. Can you imagine what Esme could do with Dreamer's powers? She would anything. Saved, she would have saved the day. <laughs> she could have done um, literally so, anything. <laughs> so I thought it was strange that that never seemed to come into play. I did like the moment where Esme took, uh, I think it was the Allstone, and she, you know, said something like "Don't hurt my family" and like smashed it on the ground. I thought that was actually uh, young young Mila. I think I thought did a really good job of that because um, it was one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh. What are you doing, Esme? What are you doing? Um, but I thought that was <laughs> I, a good moment for her. I love little Esme. She's got some gumption. I also, I think one of like the most affecting lines in the episode was when she was like, nothing good ever happens I to know. me. And I was like, oh, oh Esme. Oh. And even Nixley was like, oh, I'm a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that felt weird. That felt funny in my heart. <laughs> like when, when you know that like the, the villain is like, oof, I'm bad. Like you've got a cute little girl who's really guilting somebody. <laughs> yeah. And I like the little touch of uh, them. Ha- Lex and Nixley gave her like crayons and paper here. Have something to draw. Please draw. You know, feel free to draw anything you want to draw while we keep you in our secret <laughs> evil lair. And and Esme was like, I'm going to draw you guys a guilt trip. <laughs> and she's like, here are my moms. I'll never see again. <laughs> Nixley was like, cry. Like, stop. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's right, Esme. Put it on thick. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Esme was really good. Uh, especially these last uh, two episodes. Uh, Morgan, were, were there any th- other things that you wanted to talk about with uh, the last gauntlet before we move on? Uh, so I see in your notes, there was a, a note about the uh, Andrea and Lena oh. conversation. Yes. Did you want to mention that? <laughs> sure. Let's. <laughs> um, I liked the conversation. I will say one of the things that made me laugh is like when Andrea, like, parachutes in in her acrata outfit her her full scale superhero costume with her little mask and i was like why 
Okay. Like, <laughs> why even have her have powers? Like, if you can explain to me why this character needed powers for any part of the story to unfold, like, almost ever. She needed it to get Lex's uh, secret poetry. <laughs> One could argue she could have just broken in like a normal human <laughs> woman for that like she didn't Lex, need <laughs> lex's mansion though probably had a lot of security though she would not have been able to pass it i mean i mean i remember lex's mansion from smallville and there was never any security in there <laughs> poor lex from smallville had so many head injuries <laughs> he spent most of that series unconscious yes, so i guess floor. i i just immediately expect that all of the mansions are going to be as well uh guarded as that one but uh but yeah, it was it was like just like another kind of uh, moment where I liked the scene between the two of them. I thought it was really well done. I thought Katie and um uh, and uh, Julie Gonzalo did a great job in that scene, like acting against each other. And it made me a little sad because they haven't done anything with Andrea really. They did last season. She was kind of a villain, and then Crisis made things really confusing about whether or not she was a villain. And then they thought, oh, it makes my head hurt. This Andrea Rojas. Let's just have her be a bad boss. And then she was just kind of an annoying boss for an entire season, but an annoying boss who had superpowers that she never used except for when she wanted to spy on people's journals. And it was like the most useless use of a character like i felt bad like i was like julie gonzalo like what a thankless role a whole she's i mean she's actually a really good actress she's a good actress and good for her that she got to collect a paycheck for an entire year almost of doing nothing almost nothing it's like kind of a dream if you're li- if you're <laughs> as li- sleepy as i am with so many naps but uh like yeah and they didn't do really anything and that was probably that scene with her and uh alina was probably the capstone scene for her character to be honest because she really doesn't show up again um just, almost just at, at William, all william's funeral i just think is william's the only... funeral she's like oops <laughs> um she shows up but you know who i didn't see there mary his, his girlfriend, who girlfriend totally exists <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She couldn't make it because Canada is so far. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I just felt I felt kind of robbed on her behalf. Like this character, they never knew what they were doing with that character, and one could argue William as well. Um, until they decided at some point this season to redshirt him and set him up for death. Uh, but, but Cara loved him. She sure. was. He was someone she <laughs> loved. I was like, Cara. I feel like we're overstating how much affection we all had for William like a little I, bit I think she should have said someone I cared for yes yeah, I would I would have bought that a little more it's it's my it's my greatest fear William died and I was like <laughs> that's your greatest fear well, come on come on Cara they, I know they, they cared so much that they just threw a sheet they, over his dead body in the town I couldn't stop laughing about that either because I'm a bad person I was like but also it made me it ha- made me have like a lot of logistical questions like they clearly didn't call in any kind of law enforcement at all to the scene of this crime they just threw a sheet over poor dead William and then what do you think that they did? Did they just like take his body to a funeral home and kind of toss it into a casket? Like, uh, 
does he have a death certificate? Or I'm surprised they didn't just bury him out back of the tower. Like, <laughs> do they have like a crematorium in the tower? They just like <laughs> stick to that's really morbid. I'm sorry. But uh, but they I don't I doubt they did like fingerprints right. and footprints and like uh gathering evidence for the authorities. We I guess it doesn't really matter any- because Lex didn't end up, you know, like he goes he goes to a prison anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But still. But it made me ask like logistical questions, seeing the seeing the body with a tarp over it in the corner as they were having like conversations about what they were gonna do about Lex. As they were like all having like a hmm, what are we gonna what's the plan? Should we kill the son or should we just give him all the totems? And meanwhile, in the background, it's just a tarp. Poor dead William behind him. Like, you want to handle that, you guys? Yeah, maybe do something first. I guess they they had to have that reminder. I guess. How did they explain that William was dead? Like, does he have a death certificate? At some point, somebody has to come and like process him down to the funeral. It made me ask too many questions. I probably shouldn't have been asking. I was like, so nobody's gonna take care of that over there. That dead dude. (laughs) <laughs> the public obviously knows about it because Andrea at the end, and we're, we're sort of skipping ahead, but she sets up something in William's honor. Yeah. It's I think it's in Spanish, though. I don't know why that's the case. <laughs> that made me laugh, too, because I was like, wait, I'm. It, it feels like Andrea, I hate to say it. Is this still about you? <laughs> I feel like it was. <laughs> it but, should have been like the William Journalism School of, uh-oh, sorry, got you killed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the public knows that William is dead. So yeah. how do they explain? Yeah. I, I, I again, again, it was like highlighting. They could have picked it up like. I don't know. Maybe not had the tarp over the body in the corner. As it was a little con- morbid. It was a little dark for this show. It's like, uh, yeah, okay, but like, this is really dark. And then we're gonna switch to like a a child with a, a Beauty and the Beast tattoo that's disintegrating. <laughs> I'm supposed to take both of these things completely equally as seriously. <laughs> And I cannot. I also loved that, like, Lex literally was like, she's Beauty and the Beasting. Yes. And they mentioned Taylor's Cinderella, too. <laughs> we got a Beauty and the Beast and a Cinderella mention in the same episode. So, fairy tales on the brain. Uh, people in the chat are reminding us that uh, Laura says uh, Andrea set up a school of journalism in a South American country, which I guess makes uh, okay. sense. Uh, let's see. Electric WWF says, uh, I think it was the William Day School of Journalism, uh, but not like, you know, in his. Didn't he mention he was like from India? Yeah, I believe. Why? So. Why would she go to like his hometown or something? Uh, Andrea was like, listen, I can accept that maybe some of this was my fault, but I need to make it about myself still. It's really important for me that I do that. Alina <laughs> uh, was like, listen, as somebody who's also know flirted with the dark side kind of mind controlled the world girl i get you i get you Um, (laughs) but you need to calm down you need to take it down a notch i did like that scene where where lena was like you know i maybe have some things in common with you and and i have also flirted with the dark side and like you can come back from that and you know sure you kind of accidentally led to william's death and that's bad but like have you ever put on a leather coat and jumped on a plane to kill somebody? <laughs> I've come back from that, and you can come back from 
<laughs> and I was like, you know what? I like that. I like that. Uh, that Lena was like, listen, we've all done some questionable things. <laughs> we've all science murdered a guy. Okay, we're all friends here. <laughs> we can. You can come back from anything. I, I I liked that scene between the two of them. I wish that they had done more with Andrea Rojas. I think as a character. Let me just pitch something. It doesn't matter anymore because the show's over. But here's what I would maybe have done with Andrea over the course of the season is she could have been there with Lena during her whole witch discovery as like her Ooh. friend. Like because she had the medallion, maybe the medallion, the Akrata thing could have played into the magic <laughs> uh, well, storyline. The medallion was her mother's. Yes. Um, but they never really bring that back around in any way. If you think about it. Um, so it's just a thing that happened. It's like, oh, yeah, because of my mom's witch powers, now you're a smoke monster. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, Lena could have maybe used one of her her, old, uh, her oldest friends to go with her and help her on that journey, but that's maybe just what I would have done. But That might have been a plot for poor Andrea Rojas. And really what she wanted to do was, like, sit behind the Catco desk and yell about ratings. That's what we... That's the the fascinating part of that character um, journey that we wanted to. Well, go see, with. Morgan, that really sets the stage for why she does what she does with the mm -hmm. journal. So you have <laughs> you have to see that play out over the course of the season until right at the very end. That's that's how you get there. Uh, I just I I feel so bad for like I've never I feel like I've never seen a show that like made a character into like a superhero villain. Right. And then just completely ignored them before <laughs> every time that she would do an Akrata thing. I'd go, Oh my God, I forgot she was Akrata. <laughs> and so did the show until just that moment. <laughs> we never really fully got to explore the Akrata part of Andrea, which I think is unfortunate. Poor, poor Andrea. And then, and then she does have that moment at the end of the finale. I'm going to jump ahead just for a second, but where she's, you know, unveiling the William day school of journalism. Sorry, I uh, published those poems and got you killed. Uh, <laughs> heart, Andrea Rojas. But um, but that's it. Like, there's no, there's really not a capstone on her character. Like, there's that conversation she has with Lena, and then she shows up at a fight, but she doesn't really do anything. And her and Lena are just kind of standing over in the corner. And then the next next time we see her, it's like the journalism school. But we don't. What what was her character journey? And she's and she sells catco. So like and she sells catco, but off screen. Yeah. Mind you, where all the best things happen on this show. It wasn't we didn't get to see her go like, you know what? Journal like chasing the, you know, chasing the story and chasing the ratings has turned me into kind of a bad person. And you know, R.I.P. William, he made the best cinnamon rolls. <laughs> so so I'm going to like you know, I'm going to sell Catco and I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to do something else. Also, I don't think anyone should go to the Andrea Rojas School of Journalism. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. Like, also, I know it's also, William Day, but she's running it. I don't. Mm -mm. <laughs> so if the public does know about what happened to William Day, do they know about Andrea's part in it? And if so, Definitely would, anybody, <laughs> would anybody go to the school based on Andrea's? connection to his death right you don't want to you don't want to get too deeply into that i don't think i don't think you want to peek behind that curtain because i think we're gonna have, have some journalism stuff to talk about in the next episode as well um 
But uh, I think, yeah, that the the weird like non-ending for her character. She got like basically the one scene with Lena was her character's, you know, conclusion to her arc, and it was just kind of like Lena being like, "Forgive yourself and be a super friend," and uh, and she was like, "Okay," <laughs> um, <laughs> and then she sold Catco off screen, and then it's not important started like a journalism nonprofit and that's fun but like i don't know there was just i i want it more for that character overall and I, by the finale there's nothing you can do right the die's been cast so you, you, can't you be only like, have so much time here's a here's a great andrea rojas story in the finale like that <laughs> i would, I, I I would have been so mad i would have been so mad i would be like are you serious um but yeah the just spending an entire season there was Really, she didn't. That character barely needed to exist this season, um, and it's just kind of sad that they kept her around to do so little with her. Um, so, I mean, I just wish that there was more. But that scene with her and um, her and Lena was nice, and I, I'm glad that she at least got that scene. Yeah, uh, we do have a question from the chat. Uh, Patua asks, "Did Andrea n- n- know that Kara was Supergirl? Because in the f- uh, in the funeral scene." It seemed that way uh, when they were talking about the DEO. Uh, hmm. Yeah, they, they were all in their civilian clothes uh, talking about uh, the DEO. So uh, huh. I don't think she knew I the car was Supergirl. So. I don't think so. I I have never been led to believe that. Maybe, uh, maybe she so... found out that car was Supergirl off screen like Kelly did. <laughs> yeah i'm sure it was i'm sure it was super emotional it was a great scene and they cut it but maybe it aired in canada so canada (laughs) yeah canadians report back did did you see that supergirl is just off the chain i swear (laughs) it's like the greatest tv show so good uh okay so final thoughts on the last gauntlet morgan what did you think about this first episode of the two-hour series finale Oh, it was tough. It was a rough <laughs> one for me. Um, it was not how I wanted to start the series finale. Um, I think it was kind of a weak episode, honestly, overall. And like those two episodes back to back, Kara is a much better episode and a better series finale than the last gauntlet. I kind of wish that they hadn't been pushed together as like a back. To- I wish there had been like, a retrospective and then the series finale, if that's what they were going to do, if they weren't going to, I don't know. I, I, it was the start of the big battle and everything, but it, I, I didn't like it very much. I thought it was kind of a weird episode. People, once again, people were making plans that they were then deciding not to do like one scene later that everybody had already just told them it was a bad idea. Everybody was kind of acting in ways that like, didn't make a lot of sense or were just straight up bad ideas. And you were like, Oh guys, really? Do we have to here in this penultimate episode? (laughs) Um, So yeah, it wasn't, I was like, please let the finale be better than this episode. Yeah. I, I thought it was a better offering than what we had gotten uh, in some (laughs) of the other season six episodes. (laughs) So, so I, I thought most of the, like, it's, most of the scenes or at least well the, like the action scenes were pretty exciting and there were some good character moments. Uh, I really liked that scene with Esme and Nixley where Nixley tells the story about her 
father almost slitting her throat. I thought that was an appropriate <laughs> so, thing for a so villain brutal. to do. <laughs> and I was like, I don't. I don't like that story. That was Lord, my favorite. It was like, this is not appropriate for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought there were some good scenes, you know, individual scenes. Um, I didn't care for the Supergirl Alex stuff. I didn't like that Supergirl, you know, failed yet again. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with a lot of that. Um, but there were some good moments that I really liked uh, in this, uh, the last gauntlet, the official technical penultimate episode of the Supergirl TV series. So. Uh, as a season six episode, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Once again, not, faint praise. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll go ahead and move on to the official series finale in uh, the final episode of the, the CW Supergirl TV series, which was titled Kara. And here is the official description. Quote, in the epic series finale, Supergirl is joined by familiar faces from the past to help her stop Lex and Nixley for good. Uh, do they help? Never mind. I'm, I'm, we're, I mean, we're they gonna, don't, but yeah, they, okay. Uh, meanwhile, Alex and Kelly prepare to walk down the aisle. McCod Brooks, Jeremy Jordan, and Chris Wood return for the series finale. Unquote. So, um, this, you know, in the previous episode, The Last Gauntlet, we saw the return of our one of our faves, Lily and Luther. Uh, but in this episode, the series finale, uh, we had a big death, lots of death happening here lately, and uh, lots of death. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, this one uh, took Lily and Luther from us. So, Maury, what did you think about uh, L- Lillian's final scene with Lena? <sighs> okay. Um. <laughs> okay. So, in I think it was in was it in this episode or was it in the previous episode where she like jumps in front of Lex to like protect him? I think it was in the last. Gauntlet. I think it was, it was in- during that river bridge fight. I think <laughs> during the 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 bridge, you know. Our favorite place. You, you on know, you show. know that one. You know, you know that, that bridge from we, season one. We all know we, that we bridge. all know that we all, all know that very bridge. familiar with the bridge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, so uh, Lillian got hit. That's not that's not good. But she's Lillian. She'll be fine. And Lillian's <laughs> like, Lena. Clearly, I'm dying. And I was like, don't you dare! Don't you do it! <laughs> don't you do this to me, Supergirl? But I think my bigger. <laughs> My bigger moment of anger in this episode, probably my biggest moment of anger in the whole thing was when I realized that she had died off screen. She did. And I turned to Mike and I went, did did they just kill? Did she just say that Lillian's dead? Did they just kill Lillian off screen? Mike was like, I'm sorry. I'm afraid that is what happened <laughs> and i was like ah! um, flames uh, flames uh, on the side of my face <laughs> that's how i felt i was like come on this is the best one of the best villains the show has ever had you put some respect on her death like you give her like a long death scene where she like dies but then gets back up and says another <laughs> soliloquy and then dies again and then gets back up and <laughs> I, I wanted her to do that thing that was like lena i need you to come close come close, I need you to come close. <laughs> and she does it again she's like lena come close <laughs> i hated your horses you know something like that i, re- I really wanted her to like do that do that kind of trick like thing. just as she was about to die she goes like you're still my least favorite child <laughs> <laughs> or something. Uh, I was 
I was furious. There was like years ago when I went to um to Disney World, they had a Beauty and the Beast stage show and they killed the beast way upstage, but clearly he had to get downstage for his transformation into the human. So he staggered around the stage <laughs> dying for like 10 minutes so that he could get to his mark. And that's what I wanted for Lillian. That's what I wanted for her. I wanted her to like get up dramatically and then like die and then get back up and then like stagger around <laughs> knocking some beakers off and be like you don't need this anymore lena you're magic now and like, <laughs> i want it so much more for her i thought i could not believe the disrespect of how they killed her off like we didn't even get to see her death scene she just has a scene with lena where she's like oh hey you know how you thought you were science my bad. I sensed the magic in you and I dampened it with crystals or whatever. And <laughs> and I, I put a quartz on your bedside and I stopped it. What talismans? Uh, yeah, the talismans. I, I would to that's totally a thing I do and I knew about and not something we just came up with a half an hour ago because <laughs> we were hangry and we wanted to break for lunch. Uh, and she's like, you know, you're, you're magic all along, Lena. You're magic all along. But we don't even get to see her die. And then, like, Lena comes out and she goes like, well, you know what? I, I feel like I finally resolved some core issues. And like, <laughs> oh, my mom's dead. Um, that's a bummer. But I feel better about myself and the, the, <laughs> the melding of science and magic because it turns out, Kara, look at me. It turns out I was magic all along. It's like, what does that, what does that mean? <laughs> it's, it felt disrespectful to not, not just to Lillian Luther, but also to Lena Luther, who had her whole, her whole thing was that she was a scientist, a scientist. for all of these years. And now it's like, no, it turns out she, the science was just hiding her light under a bushel, right? It was hiding her magic. She was, uh, I pushed you into the STEM field, Lena, because <laughs> I wanted you to get as far away from magic as possible. It's like, what? How are those two things related? Well, and she she didn't want Lena to become magical because she didn't want to uh, have her repeat what her mother did, which I guess is she she's referring to her mother accidentally killing that dude <laughs> in the fire. But Lena still killed people. <laughs> Even jokes with the on her. <laughs> Lillian was like, I loved our house, darling, and I could not let you set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> had so many mink coats in that house uh but yeah no it was like but also if you like if you follow it it's like what they're saying right it's that, i'm sorry is that science is the antithesis of magic which doesn't even make sense she's like lena i could not let you go into the humanities in school if you <laughs> If, if you can you, still be a scientist and a witch, right? If you if you had just opened the scarlet letter and read, you you <laughs> would have become a witch. I needed you to go into biology. It's like none of that makes sense. What what if she had become an interior decorator? She could have been she would have turned into a witch. Like the only thing that was stopping her was science. Like I don't it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought the uh, the Lillian death. I I liked the scene between Lillian and Lena where she says, you know, I I I want to set you free. 
I thought that was a nice scene between the two actresses, but Brenda Strong and Katie McGrath. I, I thought they played that really well. That the there's an appropriate level of emotion there between the two of them. And I, I at least, even though we didn't see Lillian die on screen, <laughs> we did get to see, you know, them honor that relationship that had been such a contentious and maybe sometimes loving one on the show. <laughs> and so I was glad that they honored that dynamic uh, that has been on the show for such a long time. And, uh, it, it, and in some ways I think they did honor the character of Lily, but they could maybe have, you know, had her die a big death scene on screen. I, I think she deserved a more dramatic death scene because she was a very dramatic character. She was a very larger than life character, but I do agree. I liked the scene besides like the, you were magic all along uh, grasshopper <laughs> moment. I did, <laughs> I did like the scene uh, in general. I thought that Brenda strong and, and Katie McGraw, were, were great as they always are in scenes together and I like that those two characters got closure with each other and like Lena uh, Lillian basically got to say like kind of I loved you as much as I was humanly capable of the feeling of, <laughs> of love and Lena was like cool and she's like sorry I messed up all of your magic and you kind of changed your life and stuff but but now it's time for you to let that go and like go on with your life and I, I do like that she I mean not that Lena needed Lillian's permission to do anything in her life because Lillian is again a terrible terrible mother but uh, I do think that it it was a good moment for for Lena as a character to kind of get that closure with her mother um, before she died off screen <laughs> Yeah, because Lillian, I mean, she spent a lot of time this season talking about her biological mother, uh, Elizabeth Walsh, the witch. Uh, yes. but, but Lillian really was her mother. I mean, she maybe wasn't the greatest one, but she, she was, was a bad one. Yeah, definitely. she was her mother. And that's that's kind of a big deal uh, for her to lose the maternal figure in her life. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it could have maybe been done a little, a little more, a little better, but I, I think for the most part, I, I thought that that scene was handled pretty well. Um, I guess uh, since we're talking about Luther's, uh, let's talk about how Lex and Nixley ended up because, uh, we've been following <laughs> Nixley all season and we've been, uh, following Lex for the last three seasons on the show. So uh, Morgan, what did you think about how uh, Lex and Nixley went out? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I think I thought it was kind of stupid um, and anticlimactic, honestly, um, when they, so we get like all of the people from, we get like Monel coming to rescue Kara, which Cool. It's it's great that she needs rescuing and in the series finale of her own show. We wouldn't want her to be able to do that herself. But okay, okay, cool. Monel's back. That's great. Um <laughs> but uh I like that he got to do his fun thing with his cape. He loves yeah, that. He, yeah, he got a little cape God, trick. Yeah. God bless he loves that cape trick. Uh, he's like a child. He's like, look at I did it. <laughs> like, yes, you did, Monel. Good job, Monel. Um <laughs> so so are we my negative for this episode? You know what? I'm mon neutral, I think. I might have <laughs> even, even been skewing towards mon positive. Oh, oh. He had the beard. He did always have the beard. Always a plus. Always uh -huh. a plus. Making helps with the with the mon feelings. And then he did his little cape trick, which was great. I I like that. He was like, "Look at Cara, look!" And she was like, "You're still doing it great." And then and then at the end, he was like, "I will never see you again. Good day." And I was like, <laughs> oh, "Okay, weird flex, weird flex." 
<laughs> you're not leaving me. I'm leaving you forever. It's like, you're a time traveler. You can come back when, okay, bye. Yeah, I yeah. guess. She's hey, Monel, are you going to come to to Alex and Kelly's wedding? Do you have some time? Never in this lifetime. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I just, the, uh, the, the dr- over dramatics of that um, statement. It's completely was, unnecessary. So unnecessary. She's like, I didn't even ask. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> Listen, not only am I not coming to your sister's wedding, I will literally never see you again. <laughs> but it was great. And she was like, I don't. Okay, goodbye. It's like, what a what an uncomfortable, what an uncomfortable moment with your ex-boyfriend. <laughs> you're just like, I'm just trying to be normal, dude. I'm just trying to be normal. And you're just being, you're taking this to a 20, and I'm at I'm at a nine here. Like, I don't know why it has to be like this. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of honoring character relationships, I will never see you again in this life. Goodbye. I don't know that that was a great way to honor the Cara Monel thing. I mean, they they did hug, so I guess that was nice. But he was he was a little bit like I I don't want to ever see you. (laughs) It's what it sounded like. It both made me laugh, and then also Cara's reaction to it. Melissa Benoist's face was so good because it was just like what <laughs> like she's i just imagine her and chris wood at home like reading the script and going well that seems harsh <laughs> <laughs> all right like they didn't need to i mean i guess they were like listen i know that there are still a lot of people invested in the car and monel relationship who maybe think it might happen and you know what boom no never gonna happen i was like yeah, all right i mean. guess you're gonna crush some dreams cruel. but okay yeah. <laughs> I will never see you again in this life. I was like, all right, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> Jeez, I guess I'm not bumping into you in the supermarket, huh? <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess you're not coming to the wedding then. I'll, I'll put you down as a no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that was so funny. Yeah, I I mean, I think I'll give him a mon positive just for like, that was a real flex, I think. And <laughs> And I appreciate anyone who's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just tell my ex I don't need them. I don't need them anymore. And I've never needed them. And I'll never see them again in this life. <laughs> it was like, a little harsh. You know, I'm, I live to be kind of a long, no, never in this life. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> so, so Lex and Nixley, though. Uh, <laughs> yes. Sorry. Sorry. I went on a mon tangent. <laughs> It's the last Monel sliding scale I can ever do. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, let us know in the chat. Where are you on the Mon <laughs> Where scale? Where are you on the Mon scale? Maybe maybe people didn't uh didn't appreciate his uh <laughs> his clear boundaries. <laughs> his clear breakup. He's like, listen, I don't just break up with somebody. I never see them again in their <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know what? Sometimes you just need a clean break. <laughs> Define that relationship. Yeah, the, he certainly Ooh. did. Ooh. Um, speaking of defining the relationship, the uh, Nixley and Lex breakup in this episode was so weird. And like, I don't care still. I don't care. Like, but also, what was the point of all this? If they're just going to break up, break up? Like, I don't, why did we have to spend episodes and episodes with, with uh, Lex and Nixley, this completely out of left field, 
romance that happened off screen in the future. So, you know, it's real. It, it happened in the future. And it's like, they were totally great. They were totally great. You didn't see it. You couldn't see it. But believe us. Um, <laughs> and then and then they break up at the end. And then the their ending was very anticlimactic for me. Because when he opens the Phantom Zone, I thought, here we go. Here's, here's going to be a great Kara story. Yeah, because Phantoms really affected her. Because Phantoms really affected her. Her time in the Phantom Zone was very deeply traumatic. And here could be like the the cornerstone of that storyline like here could be the end of that storyline and we could kind of take that through and we could kind of end that with her facing down phantoms and persevering and winning because every time she's had to face phantoms before she's kind of like they've overtaken her with she, like she's fair she's gonna become one mm-hmm. and she like you know gets taken down and like here's an opportunity for her to be hopeful and for her to like take everything that she's learned and like fight a phantom and win. And I thought, what a cool moment that'll be for, Oh, everyone's gone. It's (laughs) over. It's over. Cool. And uh, so the fact that, (laughs) that car doesn't get to fight and win against a phantom, but she doesn't even get to fight and win against the villains of the season. Made me mad. Yeah, and what made me even uh, matter was the way it happens. Is <laughs> that Lex uses basically a Phantom Zone projector? Why didn't they use that all along to send Lex and Nixley to the Phantom Zone? They could have done that. They have a Phantom Zone projector in the fortress. That happened. That that would actually have brought the season full circle. Because at the beginning of the season, Lex sends Supergirl to the Phantom Zone using the Phantom Zone projector. Supergirl could have turned it around on them and sent them to the Phantom Zone. I think at one point Supergirl didn't want to send Nixley back to the Phantom Zone because she, you know, she she would she and Nixley were friends and didn't want didn't want her to send her back to where all that trouble, you know, and that trauma was in the Phantom Zone. But in the in the finale, she should have been like, screw it. You kidnapped my niece and you threatened to take over the world. I'm gonna send you to the Phantom Zone. Yeah, if they had the ability to say, I just, I don't understand. (laughs) They went through that whole thing about supercharging Supergirl and the whole thing about Alex and her plan. Why didn't they just say Phantom Zone projector? Boom. Well, it's, it's another, it's another issue that I have, which is like, Supergirl wasn't even instrumental in defeating the villains of the season. It was just kind of a oopsie daisies <laughs> that they 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 won because of oopsie daisies. Like nobody did anything really. They were in the middle of a battle, and Lex self owned himself. Like it's <laughs> it it just for. It maybe in like a season five or a season four when we have a couple of seasons left, like maybe that kind of finale ending, I would have been like, well, that wasn't great, but all right. But in the series finale, I want Supergirl to persevere. I want the day to be saved because of something that Supergirl did. And she does do this hope speech later and we'll talk about that. Mm. But like against, I know, but against the two main villains of the season, she literally does nothing but stand there and go, oh, there they go. 
she she fights over girl a little bit and they they fight yeah. parasite and red tornado and that dream monster and metallo <laughs> and that was kind of fun to see those villains come back yeah but, that was but fun I, but i agree with you i wish supergirl had taken more of a like a physical active role in that um that would have been really and, nice to see or even if she was like she figured out Oh my God, if I open up a portal to the Phantom Zone, the Phantoms will take Lex and Nixley because their hubris yeah. is masking their fear, right? If she had figured that out and was like, I'm going to take a big risk here, much like earlier when I decided to kill the sun. But this, <laughs> time, this time I'm pretty sure I'm right. And, uh, and she had been the one who decided to, again, face her fear of the Phantom Zone by potentially unleashing phantoms on herself that she's afraid of, but she can work through that fear because she knows that that's going to get Lex and Nixley. That would have been fine. I just don't like that. The villains took themselves out. Like that's so ridiculous. <laughs> I really like that idea. That would have been so much better. It would have given us a car story. It would have paid off the beginning and the, I guess even a little bit in the middle of the season where she yeah. dealt with those issues and she would have gotten a win and she would have done something heroic and figured something out for herself. Ah, why couldn't we have had that? Um, uh, Mark <sighs> asked the question, didn't Lex break the projector after he sent car there? I'm pretty sure Alex had a phantom zone projector when they went up against Nixley, when Mixie uh, sacrificed himself to go into the orb. Somebody correct me in the chat, but I'm pretty sure that Alex had a phantom zone projector. They were like, gonna because I think they were gonna try to send Nixley to the Phantom Zone. Then maybe somebody let me know if I'm wrong about that in the chat. I'm sure somebody will co correct me. Because if I'm like wrong. maybe maybe then Supergirl could have like gotten the Phantom Zone projector off of Lex or whatever and and made the choice to. I don't. It just it was a, a very strange way to dispatch with the season's villains by basically like Supergirl doesn't really do anything to get rid of them in particular it just happens to it's 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 a it's a it's a nice accident yeah <laughs> like, it's no it's not proactive it's not proactive and that's been my big issue with supergirl as a character and the writing for her this whole season is like it feels like almost nothing she does is proactive like she's almost never the one saving the day this season it's like somebody else is saving her. Monel, oh look at Monel's here. It's like no, okay, or like oh look at Dreamers here, or Jean, or Alex, or like all the super friends are working together. It's like, well, su could Supergirl do something just by herself? This is her show. No, and so like the fact that she doesn't even get the win against the series, the season long villains, and Lex, you could even argue is you know a several season long villain that sent her to the phantom zone earlier this season. It would have been great what, if she could have gone paid back. If she sent him to the phantom zone, it, what a full circle type story. Uh, that could have been. But instead, Le we, Lex is definitely going to die in the phantom zone, right? Like a human oh, in the totally, phantom zone. Totally. I think he's, it's not, not good gonna, for him. It's he's not, not going to make him. it. Uh, the and chat, like, Oh, sorry. I was going to say uh, for for Nixley, it I feel like it's a it's a brutal ending for her, for her story too. But at least like you know it does feel like apropos. Like she hated the Phantom Zone and back she goes. Um, but yeah, no, it's it was kind of a strange. And she deserved it. She was definitely not a, she a, a character who who <laughs> really should be out there 
uh, doing no. things. She should maybe be in a Phantom Zone prison. Um, Leslie uh, says Alex and Supergirl both used the Phantom uh, the Phantom Zone projector earlier in the season. Uh, Donna also says yes, she did have a projector. Um, and that uh, Patra mentions uh, the Mixie or Nixley tried to use the projector. And Laura says, yeah, it was before Mixie sacrificed himself. So uh, chat is confirming that they did have a Phantom Zone projector. So they had the capability. I'm having to take a lot of leaps on why they took so long to defeat Nixley and Lex. They could have solved all of this by either... Because I, I don't think they ever addressed the whole getting her to say her name backwards thing. They never well, I don't think, tried. I don't because they established that with Mixie, right? Yeah. Like Mixie had to do it in order to send himself back. But for some reason that didn't apply to Nixley, which I don't understand. And then the Phantom Zone projector, they they had all this time. And not once did anybody mention, hey maybe we could just send him to the Phantom Zone. Maybe and maybe maybe we don't leave him there forever if we feel bad about it. Maybe we just put him there, you know, and like get rid of these you know, totems or hide these totems or something. I also think it's funny that they made such a big deal of like Nixley being the worst villain they've ever faced. And then like she teams up with Lex, who is also the worst villain they ever faced. And it's like, oh my God, what will we do? And like Kara's quitting her job and like making a lot of questionable decisions because they have to fight them because they are the worst. And then at the end of the day, how do they get defeated? They, they make a mistake and like basically like fall into a hole that they created. Like, you know, Wiley I Cody, like it's just, (laughs) it was kind of like that. Right. It's like, oops, I forgot that I made that hole there for the road runner and up off I go. And it's like, just kind of ridiculous. It's, you've built this whole thing up and like the way that that they resolved it was so anticlimactic, but not just anticlimactic. It was like, it was again, Supergirl didn't do anything like Supergirl wasn't active. She wasn't an active participant of taking down these two villains who've been like, you know, the thorn in her side all season. Like you can say that she, you know, gave the hope speech and that empowered people. And so they weren't scared. And so the phantoms only had Lex and Nixley. Sure, 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 sure. But uh, at the end of the day, she wasn't like, doing anything she was just kind of reacting to stuff and like just letting things happen in front of her and that's been like kind of what they've been doing with the character all season and i just hoped in the finale (laughs) that she would have done something just herself but no so speaking of which what did you think about getting one final hope speech well i guess it was inevitable wasn't it (laughs) um i like that everybody turned black and white uh I mean, it was it was a creative choice for this show, so I I applaud them for trying something different. <laughs> I was really confused in the one scene where is it Orlando? Orlando, yeah, yeah, because Joey was the younger brother, so Orlando yes. is like giving everybody this speech, and everybody's in black and white, and the bus was in red, is like in yellow, and I was like, what's happening? What am I? What am I watching? Like, what's going on? Like, they had really they had really explained what the black and white was at that point, and I was like. Am I supposed to understand what's going on here? <laughs> it was a it was an interesting visual choice. It was a little hokey, but uh, I'll give it to them. I also like the uh, 
the 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 news anchor that's like i'm just so sad <laughs> it's like lady come on it's a little too much now um, maybe you shouldn't be doing the news she's like i'm sorry i'm so bummed it's like the news is all bad I was like, okay um but yeah i mean i guess we needed one last supergirl hope speech to see us out um it's how she ends every season. So we wouldn't want to change that at all. Uh, and at this point, she basically has them pre-written. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, this has been my theory. I continue to stick with it. That she's written so many host speeches that she just like, she just le- it's like a Mad Libs where she just leaves in. <laughs> Whatever the current situation is. Citizens of National City. We find ourselves in a hopeless world. <laughs> The phantoms are <laughs> back in the phantom zone, but we are super sad. <laughs> what we need is hope. Hope is what we need. This situation that I am talking about now that is current and has not been pre-written. <laughs> like, like, it just sort of drops in the curtain. It's like, it's like, I hate to say this, it's like when, you know, they pre-write the obituaries for like famous people and then they just sort of drop in the details of like what happened and then they like run them. It's kind of like that. She's pre-written all the hope speeches and she just drops in the the season relevant details. So I could have done maybe with one without the hope speech. I got what they were going for with it like the idea that like once again we're back to power um the idea that instead of you know instead of her being this all-powerful person she is empowering others to take back the power for themselves uh and to be hopeful and to empower themselves they must have said empower like 20 times um but i mean as a as a sort of a, an uh, an ending for the show, that idea that like she has become such a hopeful figure that people see her and are also like, okay, well, if Supergirl can do it, I can do it. And I, you know, I can have the power in my own life, even if I feel powerless. I, I in theory, I liked it. In execution, I thought it was a little hokey. Um, again, spoilers for Buffy. If it's a, if you're doing a drinking game on Supergirl Radio, you know I have to bring up Buffy like once per per episode. Um, but it's kind of how Buffy ended too. It's like you know you all have the power of the you know the Slayer, and so in in that way it was kind of like I'm giving you all the power. And like you see a little bit later in the episode where she's gonna go save the cat <laughs> from the tree, and then it's like oh no. They've built a bigger ladder, <laughs> which is my like my genuine laugh of the episode, because um, that was really funny. But it's like they've they all they all work together and they figured out this situation. It's like, oh, well, I guess I don't need to solve like every problem. Like people are figuring it out for themselves. I did like that because I feel like it does. They're always going to need Supergirl for the big stuff, but for like the smaller stuff, like maybe she can take a step back and, you know, we'll talk about the idea of her life being these two separate people and like bringing those two people together. And like the idea that like maybe going forward, she could have a little bit of a less stressful, I mean, still going to be stressful, but 
not so, not feeling like she has to solve the world's problems because they're gonna they're gonna try to solve they're gonna make that bigger ladder for that cat uh first before they call in supergirl and so and also cats land on their feet the cat's gonna be i think just it's the cat fine. fell out of the tree i think fine. i think it's gonna be fine ah cat's gonna be fine yeah but <laughs> they've got nine lives they're gonna be all right but um but i i liked it in theory but in practice again like it's we get so many hope speeches just so many of them i I understand why they felt they needed to do that because Supergirl hope speeches are a thing, but it's like she did that at the end of season one. She did that at the end of season five. It's too much. But by now I'm like, it doesn't feel authentic anymore. It just feels like you're tacking it on because that's Supergirl's thing. And it doesn't, it doesn't inspire me because I'm like, I've heard her say this stuff all the time. And also I'm a little co- bit um, confused and conflicted by the message because she's, and c- correct me if I'm wrong, Morgan, she's saying you need to be empowered, but, and, and that, and that people don't need her necessarily to feel empowered, but she's telling them to be empowered. So aren't they still needing her to be empowered? I mean, because what, what does that yeah. say about humanity that like, we aren't going to empower ourselves or we aren't going to feel empowered unless Supergirl tells us to be <laughs> empowered. Well, it's funny because Monel is like, your, your speech just made the history books. And it's like, thanks for the pat on the back, buddy. But it's also, it's also like, you know, people had considered being hopeful before. <laughs> but then when we've talk- never had the idea. But then when you spoke so eloquently in your Mad Lib speech about hope, <laughs> people were like, what if we empowered ourselves? And uh, it changed everything. And I was like, <laughs> again, Mono, lo- love the hype because you're about to bring her down real low. <laughs> I like, I think I like Monel as like the perfect like ex who's like just trying to like live their best life like at you aggressively. <laughs> and so he's like, you did a great job. It changed the future, but I will never see you again. Not in this <laughs> lifetime. And then he runs away. But uh, but also it's kind of like a perfect neg because she's given this speech several times before. And this is the only time it's changed the future. <laughs> This time, I know, I know the other two or three speeches were a trial run, but this time you finally got it right. Bye. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I know we've been talking about this a lot about how Supergirl really didn't do anything, and she's she's saving the day by using her words. And I just, I, I, I should bring comics into it because this has nothing. Well. I mean, it has something to do with Supergirl's character in general, <laughs> but like I think about Crisis on Infinite Earths in the comics. She, nobody remembers her from Crisis because she like gave a hope speech. They remember her because she sacrificed herself to save Superman. And it was this big moment. And she's u- eulogized by Batgirl because she did a heroic thing. And that did change the, the you know, her, her death along with Barry Allen in Crisis. That did change moving forward. There's a whole uh, time period of comics called post-crisis because of you know, one of the things that Supergirl did. She was an active character in the comics. That's one of her biggest well-known stories is because she did something. And when Monel came back and he was like, your speech really changed everything. Like, everybody, it made the history books. And I was like, really? The speech made the history books? Like... <laughs> 
something she did didn't do it like didn't save the day like i I don't know. I mean, I get, I I understand what they're doing, and they're like telling people like, "Hey, you can be a hero too." But I mean, I know I bring this up all the time, but I think Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice did this whole idea so much better because it's like the people of Metropolis in that film like inspire each other to be Superman. You know, uh, if you seek his monument, look around you. That whole thing that's done so much better here. They like told you to be empowered you need to be empowered because supergirl tells you to be empowered and i just i didn't buy that at all i just i to me it made me think that they think so little of humanity that like we're these little ants that the the superheroes need to tell us how to inspire each other and inspire ourselves and i didn't like the message that, that well, sent. i also think the writing didn't really support it because there is i think a way that you could have built the season to something like this but i think the way to do that is to show that Supergirl is integral, <laughs> integral to the lives of like humanity and the people of National City and that they've come to rely on her too much and that they expect Supergirl to come in and swoop in and save them. And so this idea that she is saying, no, you can be the superhero in your own story. And then they kind of take the power back and go, okay, well, we need to make that bigger ladder for that cat or whatever it is. Uh, But instead, it feels like they told the opposite story this season that like Supergirl, she disappeared for months on end and nobody even talked about that. (laughs) Nobody Nobody seemed to miss her. Yeah, nobody even noticed. You know she why? Because just... McGon was out patrolling. Somebody <laughs> yeah. was still protecting the streets. <laughs> you know what, Rebecca? She still is. <laughs> <laughs> she never came back from that patrol. McGon, McGon like went out for a pack of cigarettes and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so brutal what they did to that poor character. <laughs> But, like, there's a way that they could have built it up in different ways where it's, like, Supergirl, people are relying too much on Supergirl or Supergirl is doing this and that and this and that. And, like, the way to do that is to have Supergirl being doing things a lot on her own so that the change is that the twist is that, oh, it's time for people to start taking their own power and contributing their own. But all we've seen all season is Supergirl losing a lot of stuff like just taking l's constantly (laughs) and the super friends like there there barely seemed to be a blip when supergirl was just gone for months in the phantom zone and so how am i supposed to believe that like people need supergirl to tell them to empower themselves they seem like they were doing just fine Yeah, I I don't know. I think they could have played it a little bit better if Supergirl actually did something to inspire them. If she actually, like, took an action to do something. Or if she was among the crowd of people, like, helping them while they were, you know, dealing with Lex and Nixley. And they all kind of picked up what Supergirl was doing. And and it became like a a domino effect where everybody was inspired by someone else. I I, I don't know. I think they could have played that a little better. so I was I was a little disappointed with another hope speech. I was really hoping for Supergirl to do something really like Supergirl, you know, like, you know, talk about power. You know, Supergirl is one of the most powerful characters in the DC universe, and she's definitely the most powerful character on the show. And I really wanted her to, like, show off a little bit. And she kind of just didn't. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. For yeah, me. I mean, I think that if 
I think that if Supergirl had gotten in there and been active in taking down Lex and Nixley and then given that speech about how everybody needed to empower themselves and gotten everybody's hope back and turned everybody from pleasant villain to color or whatever. <laughs> Uh, I think that would have at least worked a little bit better for me because then she's doing something active and she's also getting people to like, you know, to, you know, fight for themselves. But as it just stands, she doesn't really, she doesn't really take down the villain of the season. She gives a speech and her speech is basically like, you guys have to kind of do this for yourself. Yeah, you guys do it. I don't, Listen, I don't have to you, do it all the you time. You guys, I'm so tired. Why can't <laughs> you guys do your own saving? It's so hard for me, Supergirl. And <laughs> and so it's like in that way, she's not even active <laughs> in her own. Uh, but it, so it wasn't my favorite. I think that there's ways that they could have done. I saw what they were going for. And I like it in theory. Like I like it in theory that people are more empowered and that Supergirl doesn't have to save the day all the time. Uh, I really did like I'm making fun of the cat in the tree. But I thought it was a cute example of like people pulling together and figuring things out and not, you know, calling Supergirl. She didn't need uh, she had she actually wasn't needed for that one. She could sit back down and do a flower arrangement. Like she could kind of live her life. Um, but I just, I wish that like either they went to the hope speech well less often so that this one was. Oh yeah. If, if they hadn't done it multiple other times in the show, I think this would have had more impact. I feel like if they hadn't done it just last season, like that's the problem. Like, <laughs> so I could see, I could see there being in like, the finale of last season. If they had like the season one and season six, like bookend at home speeches, actually, that I like been great. that, right? Yeah. Like, I like that. But they had to do it again. Like, the last four seasons of Supergirl is like a constant, uh, the last three seasons of Supergirl is a constant feeling of deja vu. It's like you're watching the same season over and over again, only it's getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's like a like a picture of Dorian Gray situation, but we're not looking at Dorian Gray. We're looking at the picture. It's, it's like multi multiplicity where, where they just like keep cloning Michael Keaton. It's Michael yes. Keaton, right? And like the, by the time you get to the end one, he's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically season four, season five, season season six. Lex comes in. He's the big bad of the season. Uh, Supergirl gives some sort of hope, hope speech and everything's fine. And that's 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 the season. That's how they end them. So yeah, I agree. I think that's a, a great way to put that. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I feel like if I mean, let's be honest, nothing was gonna save this season as it stood, uh, except like a lot of rewriting. But for the finale at least, like if they hadn't done the hope speech just last season and it had just been like they did it in season one, they did it in season six, I would have been like cool i like the the symmetry the roundaboutness of that you would have had a whole five years where you oh didn't gosh. have to deal with that where there wasn't an i mean she's given quite a few hope speeches in the interim in the in a, a lot of times time. on television usually tv is her preferred medium <laughs> uh <laughs> but you know she'll she'll just direct it right into your brain you don't have to watch the tv she's there Dude, there's no escaping her hope speech <laughs> What do you think? How sick of the, her hope speeches do you think the people of of National City and the whole world in general are? Do you think that they're just like, God, not another one of these? 
well, they they seem to really take to this one. This, they is, seem this to is like the one them, that's, but... this is the one that's stuck. Uh, I don't know. I I would probably be like, oh, Supergirl's giving another God, speech. The... I, know, I know where this is going. Not this again. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. We hope. Yeah. I mean, maybe we would have hoped more if you didn't throw that totem into the sun. <laughs> well, the other thing is, and again, I I had like a little bit of a meltdown because suddenly. The totems are, once again, first off, they didn't, they were going to affect everyone. First, they affected just like a, a mile radius, a block radius, the cafeteria of the <laughs> museum or whatever. All right. But then it was like, now they're tied to the whole world. Okay. I don't understand how that happened, but sure. But then she throws the hope totem into the sun and nothing happens. Literally nothing happens. No one loses hope. Everyone's just chill. So, okay, I and guess... And somehow Lex Luthor has it. Yeah, okay, I guess they're not connected to everyone's feelings. But then Lex Luthor has it, so maybe they are connected to everyone's feelings. And then in this episode, again, they're connected to everyone's feelings. Like, as they use the totems, everyone starts like, getting real sad. And well, <laughs> I guess that was because of the Allstone, though. Like, maybe the Allstone being created had much... <laughs> Like more power and more effect on everything. <laughs> the the storyline this season is so nonsensical that like the two of us constantly talking about it cannot quite nail it down. Um, I'm not saying we're like we're the smartest people on earth, but we do watch and talk about the show <laughs> kind of a lot. And like we just, I st I'll be honest, I still don't know. I don't know what was going on with the with the totems or the allstones or that little that little bath bomb that turned out <laughs> the love totem or like whatever it was. Like uh, okay, I just I was like again I was like okay so now we're just we're back. It's just affecting everyone again. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just glad I had one last one last question about the totem. The totems just to see us out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the question is why. Um, so I guess uh, we'll just have to assume that the Allstone being created had much more an effect on everybody. And I guess that answers it. <laughs> I guess we'll just go with that. Um, I guess uh, since we're we're running a little long, uh, we'll kind of... Uh, we knew that was going to happen. <laughs> we knew that was going to happen. That's why our feedback is going to be a little shorter uh, this week, hopefully, because uh, we we can't we can't go three hours. We just I, I will not allow us to do it. <laughs> so hopefully, it will not happen. Um, but uh, so let's let's get kind of flat, let's fast forward to the end. So uh, so Alex and Kelly's wedding, uh, and I guess we could talk about Alex and Kelly's wedding. And yes. then if you want to do uh, a Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom, and we could do it about Lena and then about everyone's attire Everyone, yeah, if, you, if you would like there's to a, there's a lot of good attire there was a lot of strange choices at that wedding <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you choose what do you what do you want to start with you want to start talking about the wedding or do you want to start talking about the clothing let's start talking about the clothing there's so much to say <laughs> all right let's get into a little boardroom or ball and now lena luther boardroom or ballroom so uh everyone looked amazing at the wedding they looked amazing but in their own ways, let's be honest, in their own ways. Now, look at this picture and, and ask yourself, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> uh, I saw an interview with Katie McGraw where she was like, I'm at a completely different wedding than everyone else. 
if it's not the truest statement I've ever heard in my life, I don't know what is. Uh, so dream. So so Nia Dreamer, she has like a beautiful blue Dreamer esque dress on with some like frills. She's looking great, beautiful. Brainy is back. Turns out that future thing was no big thing. No oh, big, no big deal. deal. The don't even are probably just gonna die out. No don't, big deal. Don't even. Don't worry about it. You know what? I don't even know why I brought it up. I don't even know why I made a big deal. <laughs> space time continuum, space time continuum. Who cares? <laughs> Super chill. Uh, <laughs> over Brainy's shoulder is Al, Al the bar owner, the real MVP of the uh, finale. I'm really, I'm really glad he got an invite. It. I'm glad he got an invite. Um, Alex, Alex negged his bar pretty hard in one of the previous <laughs> episodes. So I'm glad she made it up to him. Uh, he was probably like, oh, I can cater. And she'd probably be like, can you? Uh, <laughs> so Al looks great. Uh, Jimmy looks great. He's grown some facial hair. It's it's working for him. He he got a little pandemic mustache going. Um, I like his suit. He looks he, he looks really uh, he dapper. looks really sharp. He's holding the bouquet. He looks great. The bouquet actually looks great with the colors of the suit. And so now let's go to Lena. <laughs> <laughs> Lena. Um, I, I think Katie McGraw said that she, Lena looked like a, what was it? Like a Colombian drug lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't stop seeing it. She looks like, she looks like the rich wife of a, of a mafia Don. She, <laughs> she looks like she came out of like a real housewife situation and then rolled into a hot topic. She, <laughs> she looks like the fanciest goth at the ball. And I don't. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what what wedding she thinks that she's at. Uh, she's everybody else is at a beautiful summer wedding. She's at a vampire ball. Uh, her hair is slicked back for some reason. She's got like the darkest lipstick and eyeliner on I've ever seen. She's uh, that outfit is uh, it's giving me everything that I've ever wanted. Once again, Lena Luther has showed up completely dressed for a different occasion than, <laughs> than everyone else. One last time to give me joy one final time. And I love it so much. And I hope she never changes. I hope that she wears this, this outfit to like children's birthday parties <laughs> and like bat mitzvahs. And like, <laughs> she looks like a beautiful, a beautiful goth vampire queen and uh <laughs> and that's the energy that i'm glad that she brought to this wedding yeah she's got some luther purple on so i did appreciate that uh which I, which i thought was a little bit strange because there, the whole thing about her in this episode was that she was trying to get away from the well well i guess not completely away from the luther name because she does set up the lena luther foundation uh, so she does retain the Luther name. So I guess the purple is still somewhat appropriate. But uh, yeah, so she is wearing uh, a seemingly inappropriate <laughs> outfit <laughs> for the wedding. It, it's an amazing outfit because, again, she's at a completely different wedding from the rest. They're all at Alex and Kelly's wedding. And she's at the wedding of like uh, Count Elvira and Lord Byron or something. Like she's, <laughs> she's at a completely different wedding. I also I read a little bit of that and I need to go back and read all the interviews with Katie because she's 
absolutely a gem, but she was, she said like, oh, that there, there was so much double-sided tape involved in her outfit, <laughs> which uh, makes sense because that, that, uh, that out the top comes like the slit comes it, all there the is way a, down. There is to, a big slit in that. Yes, in that <laughs> there is some danger involved in that <laughs> outfit as well. I'm, I like that she's embraced that. Lena was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tape myself into it, and like, you know, if a breeze comes along, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about some other people. I guess we could talk about uh, the people that everybody came to see: uh, Kelly and Alex and little Esme. Uh, what did you think about? Because uh, Morgan, you you know a little something about wedding dresses and you know planning a wedding. So what what did you think about this? Uh, Esme looks adorable. She does so cute. I love the pink. It's so perfect. Uh, Jean looks really good, really sharp in his uh, in his gray suit. Um, I love. Uh, yeah, look at that. Like that blue tie, the gray suit, like little. little polka dots on the tie jean is really serving us some looks he's he like, looks great he's like i look great and i can't wait to one day find mcgon again <laughs> uh, yeah he and mcgon are gonna have a son if um, he ever finds her <laughs> if he ever gets her out of that painting <laughs> they're gonna have a family once he saves her from that painting on <laughs> esme's wall it's gonna be, and she sees him in that tie. <laughs> Jean even looks confused about the mention of Magan because he was like, "Oh yeah, Magan, I forgot about her." I wanted him to be like, he went to to whisper really quietly, "Who?" <laughs> that would have been amazing. Or if he just like turned to Winnie, he was like, "She went. She she left so long ago. She said she'd be right back." <laughs> Um, I like, I really like Kelly's veil. I thought it was really pretty. It's got like little pearls in it. That's really cute. I've actually never seen that before. thought that was really adorable. Uh, I like Kelly's dress overall. I think it's really flattering on her. It was like really pretty. I like the, the way that the, the top is fitted, but the skirt flares out and the, um, the little hair piece in her hair matches the inexplicable hair piece in Alex's hair. Uh, <laughs> So, he, so, so then we get to Alex um, and there's, okay. Uh, I like her suit. I like her suit. Let's start with the positives. Her suit is great. It's very well fitted. She looks great. What's happening with her hair, I think is my big question. Um, what is that hair piece? Why is it like that? Do you think that they had to do the hair the way it was because of the hair piece? I don't, or, or do you think it was like the other way around? I, you know, I've seen Alex's hair look so much better, and and in in this wedding, it is shellacked. It does not look like a breeze could could move that hair. If it was a hurricane, <laughs> <laughs> if it was a twister, and a cow came by, her hair would still be in place. Um, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan. Like the suit is really great. Like it fits her really really well, and the boutonniere is so pretty on it and then whatever is happening to her hair is just kind of happening there and I guess I could kind of get on board with the hair I could be like okay the hair is what it is it's the it's really the crystal tiara thing that's that that leaves me with more questions than answers yeah. I don't why is it only halfway around her head uh, why is it like that? Why does she have it on at all? It doesn't seem like it goes with her outfit or her vibe in any way. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I've seen Alex's hair look a little better, but you know, she made a choice. She was trying something new. <laughs> she I guess. was like, she was like, you know what? It's a wedding day. I'm not going to wear it like this again. I'm going to go for something like a little weird. I talked to Lena and she told me it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to my most stylish friend and though she was dressed like a Victorian vampire at the time, <laughs> I thought that her advice was rock solid. Uh, I I mean, I, I maybe it's supposed to mirror like the little piece that's in Kelly's hair, but like the piece that's in Kelly's hair, like, it makes sense to me. It's not just like around half of her head. I don't. Yeah. The, the tiara wasn't my favorite, but I think overall everybody else looked, I mean, everybody looked great. Like Alex looked great. She just, I just didn't like the hairpiece. Oh, and, uh, and Eliza looked great too. I was so happy that she was in this finale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she got to go to the wedding. That was and she thing. had one of the best uh, the best lines in the whole uh, two part finale, which was uh, the uh, the winky winky like you would think I was a Kryptonian. Well, maybe in the movies. <laughs> yeah, but let's let's think through that line. Let's like, not. Yeah, on, the, on the on the surface <laughs> on the surface though, like it sounds cool because you're you're referring you it's a little inside reference into Helen Slater being Supergirl at one point in the eighties. But if you actually look at that dialogue, does it make sense? Because Eliza shows up out of nowhere. She's got a gun. She's killing sure. some owls. <laughs> and she says, I forgot about the owl. <laughs> she she says, it's it's like it's like it could be a Kryptonian. How? What? How does that make <laughs> sense? It doesn't. Because Listen, she's I got a gun. How does how does shooting Owls with a gun make her like a Kryptonian. Listen, Rebecca, just let me have this. She's shooting <laughs> owls out of the sky. There are killer owls in this episode. I just need it. I just needed one moment of normalcy. And that weirdly felt like it. And if you think about it too much, it doesn't make any sense, much like most of this season. People so, are like, oh, such a great line. I was like, why? Why is that a great line? <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't. I'll agree with you. It made no sense. It made me happy. And in in an episode where she's shooting an owl, I just needed something. She showed up out of nowhere with a gun. Why <laughs> and how? Who even invited her? <laughs> I don't understand it. Um, but yeah, so other other than that, I was glad that Eliza actually got to go to the wedding. That was nice for her to be included uh, because her daughter was getting married. That was a nice thing. Uh, I guess the only other uh, set of people maybe that we haven't talked about are Wynn and Kara. Ooh. So uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, their attire? Uh, I thought Wynn looked very sharp. I loved his tie. Um and Kara, I really liked Kara's outfit. I thought it was so cute. Um, and the color was really nice and very flattering on her. And I liked her little hair piece that she had and like the way that yeah, she I did like her, her hair in the updo was so cute. And I, I actually think, you know, they talk a lot about the the glasses in, in these scenes, but the glasses looked so adorable on her. It's like kind of nice to have like a, a normal, regular Kara look after, uh, you know, we've been getting a lot of Supergirl and not a lot of Kara in the last few episodes. Um, so it was really nice to have Kara in this. And also the um, the 
a version of We Belong that Kara and Wynn sing is so good. And I demand that they release it so that I can buy it and listen to it. Like, if maybe was my favorite moment of the finale. I'm, I'm, but I just really liked that they, they gave, uh, they gave Jeremy Jordan and Melissa Benoist a chance to sing. They're very good singers. And that was a very good version of that song. And like, and it felt perfect for a wedding. And I just really liked that moment. Yeah, I was glad that they leaned into letting their talented people show off uh, one last time. And We Belong is uh, one of my favorite songs. So uh, I think they did it justice uh, because if they had done it poorly, it would have been (laughs) offensive to Pat Benatar. But I thought that they um, did a good job with it. So I was glad to um, to see them get to sing that together. And they did they really did do a great job. So kudos to Jeremy and Melissa on that. Well, I guess that covers uh boardroom or ballroom for this week. Thank you, Morgan, for guiding us through the wedding, the wedding <laughs> looks, uh, and, uh, you know, getting through to, to see what everybody was wearing and, and what they were, you know, uh, sporting as they went to the wedding. And this has been Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. All right, let's, let's wrap up, uh, this, uh, series finale discussion by talking about the endpoints where everybody ended up uh, because this is a finale. We're trying to get to the end where, you know, we tell, tell the audience what your, what your favorite characters are going to be doing and where, where are they heading? Um, So Morgan, what did you think about uh, everybody's endpoints? I, you know, like um, I I guess we could just, do you want to go character by character or do you have like specific ones that you want to talk about? I mean, we, we could save car for last, I think. Yeah, Um, no, I think we could go character by character. So I liked uh, like the brainy and Nia one um, caused me a lot of confusion. I (laughs) I would say Uh, I liked it, but also. Did he, did he just let his entire like alien race die? Maybe. <laughs> and like blow up the space time continuum because he he had he a girlfriend. Have. He might that... have. the The future might be murky. Maybe that's why Monel will never be back in this time. But if all of the Kaluans like die out, how is Brainy still alive? Let's not think about it. Let's let's just let it what, ride. Wouldn't that be like a Back to the Future, like fading out of the picture situation. <laughs> I. Yeah, I struggled with this one. Um, not because I don't want Nia and Brainy to be together. I mean, that's great. Ha- happy ending. So great. glad that they're together. Uh, it does make you kind of wonder, from a writing standpoint, why bring up this whole thing where he has to go back to the future and merge with the bra- big brain to save his people when you're just going to not have him do that at all like when he's just going to come back and be like jk guys i'm back <laughs> like <laughs> a classic brainy prank and you're like what what about the future he's like screw that like really okay all right we're just all of us we're just fine with that we're just gonna let okay we're gonna let this happen good luck um and there's um i think we you know we we talked about the fact that there's a Canadian version of the episode. 
a better Canadian version of the episode. In the Canadian version of the episode, I, I I'm sure that you've seen the like two or three delete like yeah. If, pe- if people don't know, there is an extended uh, version of the series finale. It is uh, streaming on the CW's website and the app right now, and you can probably find clips of it on uh, Twitter. I probably. I thought about linking them in the video description, but that's kind of an illegal thing. So <laughs> I will just uh, suggest you go check it out, stream it on the CW app or website, and you'll be able to see the extended scenes there. Yeah. So there's, I think there's like three or four extended scenes. One of them, which is, I think that Cara and Lena conversation has a little bit more uh, to it in the Canadian version. And then there's a scene with Esme, a really cute scene with Esme and James where he gives her a camera. In my mind, she breaks the camera. It becomes the origin story to, for her to start the News Gal Legion. Nobody can tell me otherwise because the show is over. So <laughs> <laughs> but then there's also a Nia and Brainy scene in which... Uh, Nia catches the bouquet. Uh, fun fact, watch Katie McGraw in that scene as she throws the bouquet. Doesn't even make an attempt for it. <laughs> I, like, I like that energy. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I'm good. I'll pass. Uh, and so Nia gets the bouquet and Brainy's like, there's a 100% chance we are getting married. And I was like, well, then why did you bring up the, the brain? <laughs> well, they've done that all season, right? They've introduced something, they set up some stakes, and then they just took them, took it away. Like, what was it? What was even the point of that? There was no point. And then you have to wonder. You're like, you understand that, like, <laughs> that you don't have to write it this way. <laughs> you could have just not had the whole big brain thing at all. And we would have been super excited about Brainy and Nia ending up together and getting married. And we probably would have thought a little bit about the future, but we would have been like, probably it's chill. But now I'm like, it doesn't seem like it's going to be chill. And that's because they like underlined, if he doesn't go back, bad things happen. And, and he just he- shrugged it. He just shrugged it off. He doesn't even explain. Like, it was no big deal. He doesn't even explain why it's okay. He doesn't even explain it. Also, he's just like, it's chill. And you're like, but why? <laughs> also, uh, what does this mean for Dream Girl, for Neuronal? Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, Brainy says something about, the, you're my Dream Girl. Well, so, she is now. <laughs> so I guess, is is there no Dream Girl in the future? Because I thought it was sort of hinted that like Brainy and Dream Girl had maybe a relationship in the future let's and hope then not that's weird <laughs> and then i'm like well maybe they somehow create dream girl in the future but like if that's the case if they have like a little daughter who is grows up and becomes dream girl then what does that say about dream girl's relationship to brainy i i'm thinking about Nothing you want to think about that's for sure <laughs> so i'm just like making assumptions that somehow they are like going to somehow produce dream girl in the future but i i don't know. i don't understand like I, I don't, what does that mean no. for nura i don't think it means anything good um but who knows who really who really knows at all 
Do you think Nia's still a journalist or do you think that ship sailed? <laughs> oh, no, she's definitely going to be working under, and we'll talk about Kara's ending, but she's definitely going to be working under editor-in-chief. <laughs> she's going to be a star reporter. She's <laughs> never going to show up. She's never going to be, gonna be like, that. I know the boss. The boss and I are really good friends. <laughs> she's going to get lost in the office the one time she decides to go <laughs> into the building. Oh, my God, there's so many floors. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did like that they ended up together because obviously we're, you know, we saw this relationship and we were invested in it and they got back together this season. They were really cute. I just wish they hadn't brought up the having to go back to the, there was no reason to bring that up. Like no one was asking about it. And so now that you've underlined it, now I'm confused about it, but okay, that's fine. Um, John, I, so when is like, Hey, John, cool cool convo bro great wedding did you know in the future you and magan have a son he's totally cool and i went again with the time travel like you shouldn't be telling somebody that no that when the legion came in weren't they really like tight-lipped about letting people know about that plague that was affecting everything with the world killers yeah because in a way like doesn't that knowing that change that sort of forces jean to have a child with the gonna change your behavior right like you're like oh if things aren't like you know maybe him and magan in the future she's gone out for another pack of cigarettes and hasn't been back in six months and he's like i gotta make this work for little little jean jr (laughs) little future jean jr who i know is coming like i just i don't know that also bothered me a little bit i was like i mean I I understand that, like, from a writing standpoint, they wanted to let you know that, like, John was going to, you know, him and Megan were off going to go off into the sunset and they were going to have a kid and be happy. And that's great. But, like, maybe there's another way. Maybe Wynn could have said it to somebody else and then been like, shh, don't tell him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to change his future in any way Uh, or something. I mean, I don't know. Just don't straight up say stuff. I don't don't say it. And also, again. Where is she? Where is Magan? <laughs> Someone save her from the mural. Oh my God. She's been there so long. What if she did show up at the wedding and everybody's like, oh my gosh, Magan, where <laughs> have you been? She's been like, I've been patrolling. Did Supergirl come back? <laughs> How long have you been here? <laughs> you were supposed to call me. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of Jean, he mentions they're going to they're going to re uh, reestablish the DEO and it's going to be a peaceful organization, a peaceful and secret gonna, government organization. <laughs> they're going to do it right this time. What, what did you think about that? You made me laugh because they're like, listen, it didn't go great the last time. It was, <laughs> <laughs> was Ramakan's uh, destruction for nothing. Aramakon did just take down that whole building and it ended in rubble. But this time, (laughs) this time everything's going to be different. And I was like, sure. It's going to be peaceful. It's going to be. So, how are you going to take care of the extra normal threats? It's going to be a peaceful organization where we peacefully hold people without due process. Please, we're, we're begging you. Please, please do not destroy the city. We're, ask, <laughs> we're asking you nicely. 
We brought you cookies. Is that is that enough to persuade you? My friend not Car to here the wants to give you a speech. Hello, <laughs> alien race. <laughs> I see that you are trying to take over Catco. <laughs> Have you considered hope? <laughs> I can't wait for the new DEO. But I feel like. Do you think the new DEO could have director bonus? Well, that's what I'm saying. So now they've reestablished the DEO, right? So and now they, they need a new director. And so they like get the resumes. <laughs> so now Mr. Bones, he's a mister now. He's not a director yet. And so he has a corporate ladder to climb is my point. <laughs> he's the, the DEO is not a now thing for him, but it is a later thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, headcanon, and they can't prove me wrong anymore. They can't. They just can't. Is that... <laughs> Is that he will someday become head of the DEO. And no one can tell me otherwise because this show is over. <laughs> I'd like to believe that uh, Jean was holding interviews for director, <laughs> the position of director. And Mr. Bones walks in and, and John's like, okay, <laughs> and you're hired. Mr. Bones walks in. He's got the already framed photo of his super <laughs> days and he just had kind of has it under his arm and he's like i've reformed <laughs> and john's like you know what seems rock solid to me you're hired <laughs> extra normal well, let me tell you about my invisible flesh and my cyanide sweat i'm i am all about extra normal <laughs> john's uh, like i love it <laughs> <laughs> so I my I wife is I in a mural that's happening <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Now, the DEO thing was kind of, I don't know. Okay, sure. I, I kind of almost feel like I wonder if they sell the DEO thing as like bringing the DEO back because they want that around for like future cross Arrowverse, like crossover stuff. Where if they can be like, oh, the DEO, we're, you know, calling up the DEO or whatever it is. Um, that's fine. I was I was kind of excited that they were bringing it back. I was like, oh, back to like Supergirl classic. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess I guess it makes some sense. I don't know. It just feels like the D.O. was so corrupt that uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess they're starting over. And well, this gonna time it's going to be great. They're going to do it right. They're going to figure out the better ways to this do it. This time even it's going to take years and years for them to get corrupt again. <laughs> even though they could have done that right the whole time. Jean was in control. Alex was in control. They had well, pet, they had power over the DO and they never changed anything. This time they're gonna redo it, but better. Uh better this time. Um yeah, no, I thought that was pretty funny. Um who else? Uh who else? Lena's endpoint. Do you think oh, she's I guess I guess do you think she's about rich Alex again? Alex oh, oh, and Kelly. Oh, okay. Let's let's go to Alex and Kelly first. <laughs> Alex and Kelly. I feel like they got a very like neatly tied ribbon on their storylines. At least Alex, you know, I guess both of them. So they, you know, they've adopted little Esme. I guess there's no conflict of interest there for Kelly. And <laughs> <laughs> it's totally chill and fine. Um, and they got married. And uh, I think that's it's a nice it's a nice place to to leave Alex's character and and in the in the vows Alex even talks about you know how she struggled to you know to realize who she is and now she's like her most complete self with Kelly and I thought that that was really sweet. Kelly's vows were a little meaner um, 
I have to say, because uh, I love that Kelly was like, you know, we've been together for a couple years. I wasn't so sure of you until Blind Spots, an episode that was like five episodes ago. <laughs> I just tried to imagine if during our vows, Mike was like, we've been dating for, you know, four years. And just four months ago, I decided <laughs> you were the one. <laughs> I would have. I would have kicked him. Uh, but Alex was totally chill with it, which was really accepting of her. <laughs> I mean, I thought that their vows overall, I'm nitpicking because I found that to be very funny. But uh, I thought their vows overall were very sweet and very heartfelt. And I liked them a lot. And I liked I liked the what Al- Kelly was saying, which is like, you know, you didn't try to fix me. You just let me be me. It was funny that it was like, oh, that was like five episodes ago, Kelly. You weren't sure until then? (laughs) You're already on the way to adopting a child, but okay. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I I think for Alex, it it was such a nice nice arc that she had. And the show sometimes forgot about her a little bit. Um, But at least this season, I feel like it remembered that she wanted a child. Um, and it had her adopt a kid. It waited a little while. It, to be honest, it waited a little while. Uh, I remembered a lot of people's storylines in this back half and <laughs> shoved them in real fast. But uh, <laughs> but I did like I liked Kelly's scene with uh, with James and uh, and like them guarding together. Oh yeah, and that then, was that was awesome. And then the the wedding scene of them together was really touching, actually. And, uh, and I really liked it a lot. And I, I thought that they had, like, a nice scene. Um, and I thought that the the vows were really nice. And I liked where they left Alex and Kelly, you know, together with a child. And we see them all together at game night. And they're, you know, all having a good time. And we had one last, you know, we'll talk about it later. But we had one last Ale- uh, Alex and Cara couch scene, which was really nice. And so I think that they left uh, Alex and Kelly, but particularly Alex in like a really nice place. If you look at where she started out in the show and like, like she feels less like she's got, you know, the weight of the world on her and like all this responsibility for her sister. And she's started her own life and she's got her own family. And I thought that was a really nice place to, to have that character. Um, as we, as we, you know, they continue on, but we leave them. So, yeah, I, I, I thought a little bit of the wedding was maybe, I guess they had to make the wedding a big deal, but part, part of that episode made it feel like it was like all about the wedding. <laughs> it, and, it was, <laughs> and I was kind of like, I, I was that um, Judge Judy gif on Twitter where I was like, <laughs> we've got twenty minutes left. You got to wrap up Supergirl's story in 20 minutes. Get away from this wedding. So I was kind of uh, clicking the the countdown clock on, but uh, but I but I guess they wrapped up a lot of the things at the wedding. So uh, so that that made sense. But it, it just it just felt like so much of it was about the wedding, and it, I was kind of like I, I get it, but I, I wish it had given the opportunity for something else. Like Kara has this conversation with Cat at the wedding. It's like you have to do everything now <laughs> um but yeah i mean i guess they they had to i have one other wedding nitpick that i just remembered and, and it was uh, eliza telling alex that she was a better mother <gasps> me too i was uh, like how i was like sorry i love alex right let's establish that my love for alex is strong alex has been a mother for like one month and her child's already been kidnapped <laughs> 
And she also made a really selfish <laughs> decision to like save her child over the world, which I get. I, I, I get it. I understand it. But like the maybe the mother of the year. That, maybe that oh, mother of the year trophy is not in the mail quite yet. <laughs> I did not understand that either. She was like, "You're so much wiser than I ever was." I was like, "What?" Yeah, How? what? Based on what information, <laughs> Eliza? <laughs> is, are, are there off-screen moments as Alex is a mother that that we didn't see? Is there a Canadian version of this that made it so much better and made sense? <laughs> the Canadian version must be so good. But like, <laughs> just in like one of the last episodes, like Alex and and Cara were arguing about what to do with Esme's powers, and it like. And Alex was like, I just don't know. I don't have this whole mother thing figured out. And like one episode later, her mom's like, you know what? I wasn't a great mom, but you're a better mom than me already. And I was like, Eliza, don't sell yourself short. You know, you raised an alien child (laughs) while your husband was assumed dead. When your husband was off in the bushes somewhere. Like, what? Let's not forget that Alex was like out partying with her fiance while her child was kidnapped. And they left (laughs) left her alone with a guy who had no way to protect them. Or even like mother of the year. Even just some numbers to call in case of emergency. They didn't give him anything. <laughs> I'm glad that you found that strange too. Because I was like, how? I was like, okay, now we're laying it on a little thick. Listen, we're ha- we're all happy for Alex, right? We're all happy for Alex. Let's not throw her a parade about being a mother quite yet. It's like that guy in the prison who was like, car dammers best journalist <laughs> you're the best journalist i've ever read it's like and you just you don't read much or is, <laughs> is, is that what's happening uh yeah it's like unfortunately this show is like you can't just be like a decent version of, you can't just be getting by you have to be the best version of everything and it's like i don't think that's been established i don't think <laughs> established that quite yet have we <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know that i bought it uh, so I guess, uh, we talked about everyone. Oh, I was going to say, and- I was going to say, speaking of kind of the Lena thing and tying into Alex and Kelly, one of the Canadian cutscenes is them asking Lena to be Esme's godmother. Which is strange. Uh, it's strange. Why, why wouldn't you ask <laughs> your sister? I, I have to assume. Is, is that not really- allowed? Because. I'm, and this may be my ignorance, but I always assumed that uh, godmothers uh, would be a Catholic thing. Yes. So first of all, uh, are they Catholic? Are they Catholic? Uh, we never talked about me. that ever. Um, and then second, can can like can your siblings be a godparent? Is there yes. like some? Is that is there Absolutely. some sort of rule where my- like Kara couldn't be? My godmother is was my aunt, and my godfather was my uncle. So yeah. So why <laughs> like, wouldn't that make Kara the godmother? Why jump to <laughs> Lena? What makes Lena the the qual? So, what's the qualification for? Lena? I have to assume it's because Lena is crazy rich. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe I don't think we need sense. Esme to like have a great life. Now that Lex is gone and Lillian is dead, God rest her soul. I think Lena gets all that Luther money. She's back on top, baby. And maybe maybe that's what the outfits are about. She's like, listen, I'm gonna put my witch hair behind me and I'm gonna slick it all the way back and I'm gonna wear the weirdest thing possible. <laughs> I'm I'm a Luther again. <laughs> I've got my money. Uh yeah, she's really I, I don't other than that, it I don't feel like that makes sense. But okay, you know what? I'll I'll go with it. 
Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because I, I was uh, I was loving the uh, Cara Esme moments at the wedding, where Esme was like, and Cara and I build these birdhouses together. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the cutest thing. So I wish cute. we had had more Esme and Cara scenes. Because I would like to believe that little Esme mimicked Cara's super speed, and they made a whole bunch of birdhouses really quickly. <gasps> Oh, that'd be so cute. That's why couldn't we have gotten more Esme and Kara like family time? Oh and my gosh. When she said Aunt Kara, I was like, oh, my heart just melted. Oh, I know. So cute. I know. So cute. So I guess that like brings us to Lena's story, like the Lena's ending. Um, so I really liked that uh, Lena and Kara scene at the wedding where they're talking about Lena's like, you know, uh, I'm free now. I'm free to be the witch of my dreams. <laughs> I'm incredibly rich, rich and I'm dressed like a, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm dressed like a mafia vampire. <laughs> I'm living my best life now, Car, and you should live your best life too. <laughs> She's like partying at the wedding, dancing it up. Uh, <laughs> there was a moment where like, you know, this is the finale. So God bless. But uh, there was a moment where I know a lot of people talk about, you know, the show, um, you know, queer baiting and things like that. And there was a moment where they have Cara like talking about like, uh, Alex and Kelly having just gotten married and she's so ex happy for them and she's like yeah like you know I'm you know kind of like that she's jealous or that like she's thinking about what she wants to do next and then the camera pans over to Lena and like zooms in she's like come dance and then it, it just stays on her for a second and I was like are they really doing this in the finale <laughs> Are, what are they doing what are they doing because I knew they weren't going to commit to it I knew it so I mean I feel like they uh they they gave the shippers a I don't know they gave them a nice scene basically and they left it open ended uh very open ended because Cara doesn't end up with the love interest which I think she's you know not even thirty right so and she's Supergirl so I think that's fine uh, yeah everybody else got paired up which is a little annoying that they didn't give her anybody but. It is what it is, but uh, I, I did mean, like. I personally would have loved Kenny Lee to come back uh, because why? <laughs> why bring him back to life if you're going to? So in my mind, <laughs> you know, I guess I guess I'm not really going to go into the shipping stuff, but I guess yeah. I I could just say that like you could take from it whatever you wanted to take from it. You definitely can't say Car and Monel. Are going to be a thing in the future because sure he can't. made he made that very clear. <laughs> Never in this lifetime. <laughs> but if you wanted to say that Car and Lena could be something in the future, you could do that. If I could say, "Hey, uh, you know, one day, uh, editor in chief Car Danvers, I guess she's still going to go by Car Danvers. Sure. I don't know if she's going to, uh, uh, yeah, because Cat introduces her as Car Danvers, I think, yeah. uh, on the news broadcast." One day, Kenny Lee shows up at Catco to see uh, Editor-in-Chief Cara Danvers, and they they rekindle a relationship. That's what I would like to think, based on the show bringing him back to life for some reason. For some reason. So I guess you could, it is open-ended that you can kind of write they, your own story for Cara. They do leave her story very open-ended in a way. And I, I would say that they leave her story open in such a way that, like, 
the way that they end her story, I was almost like, I can't believe that we don't have another season of the show to like just get into it and explore it. Finally, a car story I want, and it's going to happen in my imagination. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I like where they left Lena. Uh, I thought that car and Lena scene was really good about Lena, like coming to terms with who she is and her journey as being like, you know, this standoffish Luther who was felt like she was defined by her name. And now she's like, I'm wearing purple, but I'm, you know, I am who I am now. And I'm, you know, part scientist, part witch, all Lena Luther. <laughs> she started the Lena Luther Foundation. What does that do? What what is it? What is it? What does it do? A mystery that we can again <laughs> we'll <much> never <laughs> much like you know who Kara or Lena ends up with in the future. You can sort of write that yourself. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna pitch the Lena Luther Foundation. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Uh Lena, uh, the Lena Luther Foundation is where Lena gives uh, clothing to uh, those who cannot afford their own clothing for like business interviews and things like that oh, or, no. <laughs> or like school or something. Uh, so it, it's like a clothing donation where <laughs> where she she provides clothing to those less fortunate. It's like dress for success, only like the, the women get it and they're like, when am I supposed to wear this ball gown to? <laughs> and Lena's like a job interview, of course. And they're like, I don't, think that's a miss luther i don't think that's what you would wear this to and she's like isn't it <laughs> and they're like miss luther are you wearing a meat dress and she's like yes <laughs> of course <laughs> so that that's that's my, my head canon for the Lena luther foundation i think i like that i think that is uh it, it is perfect the uh the logo of it gave me no indication it's just like a tree <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe the Lena Luther Foundation is is bringing magic to the masses. Oh, yeah, possibly. Yes, she's just like she's she, handing out twigs for people to sniff. She's teaching. She's teaching young girls to make poultices and <laughs> <laughs> live off live off the woods. Like just like these are the berries you can eat, and these are the berries you can't. <laughs> I think that's also a very good idea. I think I think maybe it's like a two pronged uh, <laughs> foundation where she gives people clothing to wear to dress their best selves, and then she also takes them into the woods to teach them magic. Uh, <laughs> and it's a little bit of a scary foundation because I don't know that I want to go into the woods and like whatever Lena's going to be wearing is going to be weird. Going <laughs> <laughs> to come with like a full veil and like a Victorian morning outfit. She's like, "Into the woods we go," and you're like, "I don't think I should go with you." <laughs> I would not, but. Maybe she has like a summer camp for, for, for <laughs> a witch's summer camp. I think we're really pitching a spinoff that I would actually like to see, I, 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 like starring Lena Luther in the camp 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 kids. <laughs> it's called Witch for a Summer Exclamation <laughs> Point. And Lena starring Lena Luther, and she's got like and she's got like a like a little camper's outfit with like a with little like whistle. A whistle. Around. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a perfect end point for Lena. It makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So uh, good. Okay. So that well, brings us to Kara. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, one thing before we go to Kara is that I, I liked the Lena Kara scene, but I also thought it was strange that they didn't have an Alex Kara moment at the wedding. Like, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't that be a great time for them to reflect on? I mean, I guess they did it a little bit on that in that in that couch scene, but 
it seems like you would want to like say goodbye to one of the close, you know, the people closest to you. Like Car was just like way back there watching them drive off. And I was like, that's your sister getting married. Like, <laughs> shouldn't that be a bigger deal? I'm glad that they had that scene at the end with the game night because if it had ended like after the wedding, I would have been grumpy that there wasn't an Alex and Kara scene. And I'm still upset that like as as great as the Alex, oh yeah, as great as the Kara and Lena scene was, and I thought it was really well done. And both the actresses like did such an amazing job, especially when like Kara takes off the glasses and like gets emotional uh, about like, you know, living this double life. Uh, I thought that was really great, but I would have loved uh, a Kara and Alex scene at Alex's wedding. Like, uh, Kelly got a scene with James at her wedding. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess she had the scene with Eliza, but it, that scene was more about Eliza and Alex's relationship. <laughs> and it was weird. And it was <laughs> it was weird. It felt a little false. Um, but yeah, so that's just all I was going to say about the Lena Cara stuff. Um, so the Cara thing. Uh, so what did you think about her endpoint and where she ends up? Um, I liked it. I think I liked it in general. I don't personally, I don't know why it's necessary for her to tell everybody her secret identity. I think it's going to bring up a lot of journalistic questions as she moves into the editor-in-chief role at CatCo that she's been covering herself for many years, but the show doesn't have to care about that or get into it anymore. So I guess it's chill. Um, but I mean, I've liked in theory, I liked it. In practice, I think if I thought about it too too hard, <laughs> it didn't. Mm, but but in theory, I I really liked it. Like it was a car story, and I've been starved for those, so I'll yeah. take that. I mean, um, they waited until the very last twelve minutes. Yeah, yeah. Of they waited. The series. There's like, yep. They were like fifteen minutes left, maybe ten, uh, and they were like. Right. I think this show is about somebody. I don't remember what her name is. <laughs> and uh, and then they finally gave us a car story. I loved the uh, the scenes with her and Kat were great. Uh, the, having Kat Grant back was like chef's kiss. It's like really what the show. It kind of reminded me of like what the show was in its early days and what the show the like the version of the show that I fell in love with and like where cat was there and like even after cat was there there was like a like a draft from cat that was really good um but yeah the, the idea i i was a little surprised that she was surprised that cat knew she was supergirl because hadn't we established that cat knew she was supergirl like didn't we we, we knew cara did not okay okay so i didn't realize that okay that makes sense because i was like i thought we all knew that she knew I thought we knew that she knew that she knew. <laughs> um, but I liked, you know, I liked the idea of her struggling with her two identities. I don't know that the season earned that out. Like, I, I feel like it thinks, the show thinks that it spent all season talking about that. It absolutely did not. Um, but, I mean, the series has at times played around with that, like, you know, back in season three when she was like, I'm Supergirl now, just all Supergirl, forget about Cara Danvers. And so this, this show itself has played with, like, the difference between Cara and Supergirl and how they're the same person, but sometimes they're different people. Um, do I think that that, like, I don't know. I don't know that they built it up enough this season to have that be 
like the end point for her journey, but I thought it was a good end point for the character's journey, even if it wasn't earned by this particular season. Um, and I liked that she got to be editor in chief of CatCo. That I thought was really cool. Oh, it's almost like we maybe had already talked about mm. that two years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Should I, I feel like we should maybe re- go go back in time two years yeah. to 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 revisit when we talked about so. that. I never really thought about this until now, and I don't know why. But now, if it was my show, I would have Kara's endpoint for her to be the Cat Grant at the end of the show. Yes. Am I, am I am I late to this party? Oh, I like that so much. Did 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 everyone else come to this conclusion before me and I've just now had this realization? I mean, I don't I don't think so. I think this is something that we're discovering right now. <laughs> we're the only ones who have thought about we this. Are the only people who have ever thought this thought. How dare you, Rebecca? <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't all that surprised. We by, called it by the choice. We did it. <laughs> so I, I, that was one thing that I was like, you know, there were multiple ways they could have ended the show that I would be happy with. If Supergirl went to the future with the Legion, I would have been cool with that. If, you know, if if Kara decided to go adventuring with Kenny Lee, I would have been cool with that. Um, but I think, you know, making her the editor-in-chief at CatCo m- makes sense. I mean, theoretically, she was never really there at CatCo and didn't do a whole lot but uh, <laughs> but i think in terms she of her earn it so much her, her character, hard work <laughs> yeah her, her character arc and her journey i think it's a nice payoff and it does stink though that we'll never get like cat and Kara working as like a like a team where cat is the boss and uh car is the editor-in-chief i'm i'm sad that we'll never get that because i think that would have been a really fun dynamic to play out but i think it's an appropriate ending for Kara um t- to have spent all that time at catco uh, it's weird that they had her quit her i guess they, i guess she had to quit her job at catco to realize that she had to, she was going to struggle with the the balance the work-life balance and all that kind of stuff but it's like you quit your job, but now you're going back to be the editor in chief. Okay, um, but I, yeah. but I did think that was the right choice. Yeah, I love her taking over Cat Co. I love Cat Grant buying back Cat Co. I thought that was great, um, and I I like this the revealing her secret identity is kind of stupid. But I liked it from like emotional, I think I liked it more from an emotional perspective than like a story or a plot perspective. Because from a story or plot perspective, I was like, wait, so is like Esme just going to get kidnapped a whole bunch now? Or Yeah, that's the whole purpose of the secret identity. But do you think the people of National City are like, oh my gosh, you know, they're all like. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Yeah. That, that just looks out. just like her. So. Yeah. We've, <laughs> we've seen her on TV all the time. She's, uh, oh, that girl who's on TV looks like that girl who's always giving us hope speeches. That makes sense a lot. That checks, that checks out. <laughs> that checks all those boxes. I don't uh, think they're like, <gasps> mind, mind is blown. It's <laughs> like, oh, that's why Supergirl is always hanging out with that girl from the DEO. And oh, sometimes yeah. that girl calls her my sister. Yeah. That <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Things are puzzle pieces are really adding adding up um but yeah so i i mean i liked and i liked i loved that cat grant was the one who had the exclusive of supergirl admitting that she like you know 
Cara Danvers saying that I, like she was Supergirl, and I really loved like the um you know it's on the big screens everywhere because Car- gosh. Kara loves being on television. She she just loves uh, it so she much. Eats it up. Uh, <laughs> but that uh, that moment at the end where she you know she says that she's Supergirl and she smiles. I thought that was a great place to very a very hopeful place actually. You know that even though they've run that word word into the ground absolutely and driven over it several times at this <laughs> point. But I liked uh, you know Melissa Benoist is such a good Supergirl. She's like the high watermark now of all future Supergirls. And and she's just really made that character, even in the seasons where they forgot she was the main character or she didn't have anything all that interesting to do or, you know, or the writing was not great. Uh, she always made me care about Kara and she always made me love Kara and her take on that character, I think, is like the definitive take on Supergirl. And so just to have like one more, you know, one moment with her where she's happy and she's excited about the future and good things are coming her way. I think that's a perfect place for me to end with the character. Like I didn't want to, I, I would have been okay with her going to the future, but I wouldn't have liked it to be honest, because you know, we've really established her here in National City, and this is where her her support system is, and her family, and her friends, and like the super friends or whatever. But like the uh, ending it on a game night where where Alex is a little drunk, and <laughs> <laughs> didn't she have a drinking problem though? She probably she's a little bit of a problem drinker, I think. <laughs> Car is like, it's funny that you're drunk. Should I take your glass though from you? <laughs> like, <laughs> stop, uh, stop drinking. Uh, remember that that one Thanksgiving where she like gets the the whole bottle yes. out of fridge in the background. <laughs> she had a problem. Um, but like, yeah, I love that she ends it on a like a family game night, and all of our you know all of our characters are there, and they're all you know playing a game and and having a good time and outside her and outside her life is changing really if you think about it she's you know she's not even paying attention to it she's marrying those two halves of herself that she's felt have always been kind of separate and whatever happens from that point like happens and she feels really hopeful about it it seems like in that interview but in the in the in the present she doesn't really care she's with her friends and with her family and and you know her her sister and her new niece and all of her best friends and and she feels happy and hopeful about the future and i like leaving the character there because i think the character you know again the, the hope thing has become too much but i think the character is really a hopeful character she's a really upbeat sunny character and bad things happen to her and she's had to work through a lot of trauma but I think her default is to really be optimistic and look on the bright side of life. And I like that we're leaving her uh, in a place where she feels optimistic about her own future and things are, everything's coming up car. It's looking good for her. So uh, I'd like that as an ending for her. Does, do I necessarily think she needed to reveal her secret identity? Not really. I don't think that, you know, I don't think there was really like helping or hindering her, but I, I like that she feels better that she's like combined those two like parts of herself. Yeah. I thought it was a really nice uh, way to end the show. I, I know we've talked a lot in the past on uh Supergirl radio and th- this came up more. So when the, the show started in season one, where Allie Adler and Melissa Benoist talked a lot about the, the glasses 
being yeah in, like emotional uh like an emotional uh i don't know what you would call it like a like a uh it, the glasses would display what Kara was feeling like emotionally like if she was determined she would rip the glasses off or if she was nervous about something she would sort of you know grip them and wiggle them a little bit um and so the the glasses and the way that Melissa would use the glasses were an emotional thing for Kara and so I thought it was a nice touch I don't know if they still we're doing that. I don't know if that was still the philosophy with the glasses up until the finale, but when <laughs> I but when I look at that, I think about that um, and the attention and the intention behind the glasses and the idea that she would take them off and leave them behind says something about Kara's uh, emotional state and you know the choices she's making for her life. And I thought that was a nice touch to do that with the glasses. I really like that shot of the the glasses there on the table, kind of as her way of kind of moving forward with her life. And I thought it was, um, you know, even though the show waited until the very last moment uh, to to, <laughs> make, to make it a story about Kara, I did like that they ended the show. The final shot is on Kara. And I really, really liked that. And I thought it was a, a nice little touch there at the end to have her being interviewed uh, by Kat Grant, who was, you know, the the first big interview she did as Supergirl. And so I, I think all of the those things combined made for a really uh, rewarding payoff for me as a Supergirl fan. I wish that had been more drawn out. I wish we had had more of an arc for Kara. I wish we had more screen time for Kara and Melissa. Um, but I think they at least landed pun intended landed that um that ending point for Kara and I was glad that they made the show about her at the very end I've got a question because I haven't really re-watched the finale I, I would I, I plan to re-watch the final episode maybe not the penultimate I'm gonna think I'm okay but uh <laughs> um when she takes off her glasses in that conversation with Lena does she just leave them there then is that after when she leaves yeah, them, or does I she th leave them later? Uh, she leaves them at the wedding. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Because so, I, I know during that conversation with Lena, she takes off the glasses and, like, gets emotional. Does she... I don't think... I don't think she puts them back on. I think she then, like, leaves them on, like, a thing in the wedding and, like, leaves them behind. But I don't remember, honestly... Yeah, I can't I can't remember the exact balance of the glasses. <laughs> I can't remember the exact sequence, but she does leave it at the wedding. Yeah, because um, I, I thought that was a I thought that was a nice moment for the the Cara and Lena relationship that like that they now feel so comfortable around each other and she feels comfortable enough to like take off her glasses and be her true self and like cry about, you know, how she feels disconnected from these two different identities. And I thought that that was nice, especially as Lena's like, I've combined my witch and my science into, <laughs> into one super Lena. And she stands before you, a vampire princess. <laughs> and, and then, and Cara's like, I want that too. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a big deal for the Cara Lena friendship too, because uh, for so long, the secret identity and the glasses, you know, kept them from being, you know, real friends. Yeah. And so that, and that was a pretty big deal. Because <laughs> that wow. sent Lena off on her uh, mind controlling the world. <laughs> there mission. was a slight mind controlling the world situation. Uh, somebody in the chat, uh, R. Thompson in the chat says she puts them on, hesitates, and then takes them off again. So that's what I was forgetting. I, I couldn't remember if she put them back on again. But I think that's a nice moment of her, you know, taking the glasses off and leaving them. Yeah, Donna also says she starts to put them back on and going to see Alex and Kelly off, then stops and puts them down on a barrel at the wedding. 
Um, so that thank you for the clarification, a live chat. Um, so I, I do think that that you know it was a good way to end the show. I, I don't know if I'm you know completely happy with the season as a whole. We'll we'll get to that in a future episode of Supermore <laughs> Radio. But uh, I in my head no. <laughs> but but I think uh, you know for the final episode, it was you know it had some feel good moments. Uh, some things didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but for the character of Kara, Kara is my favorite character. And so I'm glad that they left her on a good note and something very appropriate for her character. And they they actually seem to care about Kara you know, <laughs> in the last 10 minutes of the show. So I really appreciated that. I wish that last 10 minutes had been more what the last season felt like. I Can think. you imagine if we had gotten a whole season that felt like that? Oh, wow. oh my God. That would have been that's like. <laughs> so good. That would have been so good. And I, I think the, in, in the finale, we got such nice dropping off points for all of the characters that we really care about and we really love. And we got a nice car story. And what if the whole season had been like that? What if? <laughs> what if indeed? Well, Morgan, we have gone for a very long time. Oh no, we did it. Three hours. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, we have gone for a very long time and we were going to get to some tweets and snap judgments, but I think I'm going to call it and we'll save the tweets and the snap judgments for uh, next week. Hopefully we can uh, wrap up our season retrospective and some of the feedback all in one live stream and get that knocked out. Uh, so our apologies for not getting to the feedback <laughs> this week. We'll save all of it for next week since we're running long. I feel like it was the CW's fault for putting those episodes back to back. <laughs> well, and we also talked about, like, should we do them separate episodes? Like, should we talk about The Last Gauntlet as one yeah. thing and then Car as one thing? It was like, but they aired them at the same time. I was like, I'm not going to, we're not going to be able to, like, avoid talking about how all the characters ended up. Like, I don't yeah. think that's possible. They, it, it all kind of went together. So thank you guys for showing up and hanging out in the live stream for so <laughs> yeah, long. For so long. We're sorry we talked. We had so many feelings. I so, have so many feelings. So much to talk about. Um, so I guess maybe, Morgan, maybe we should just get to our, our wrapping up and uh, uh, call it a night. And we'll we'll just come back and, and get to everything uh, next week. Uh, so I guess it's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio, discussing the two-hour Supergirl series <laughs> finale of The Last Gauntlet and Kara. So I guess we should get to some Supergirl Radio and some DC TV plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl Radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you're in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio, Superman and Lois Radio, The Flash Podcast, and Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, Backlight, and Podcast Bad Woman Podcast 2, and Titans and Doom Patrol Podcast just for you. Jo-
the DC TV podcast T public store. We have some car designs in the store. Yeah. So if you watch the series finale and you're like, Oh, Kara is the uh, main character of this show. <laughs> I will remind it briefly. <laughs> I need to get some Kara uh, merchandise. We have t-shirts, mugs, all kinds of things in the T public store. So definitely go check it out. If you need to uh, get some new Kara slash Supergirl stuff. We got some good stuff in the store. And uh, as always, we'd like to thank our Legion of Super sponsors for uh, supporting Supergirl Radio. And these people are Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Jessica, Nicola, Leslie, Susan, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Cherie, Donna, Nicole, and Lizeth. If you would like to become a supporter of the Patreon, we have four monthly levels. You can go check it out at patreon.com slash supergirlradio. Uh, we uh, appreciate everybody's support. And we've recently... Um, purchase something uh using uh, patreon support uh that we're not <laughs> we're not able to reveal yet because we don't have like what it's gonna officially look like as of yet uh but it will be something tangible uh that you will be able to see if you visit a certain city uh that has a certain statue in it uh, hmm. uh so we'll we'll talk about that more as <laughs> as we get more back from it um but because of uh the the support of the Supergirl Radio Patreon. Uh, we're hoping to do something cool to celebrate the show and the character of Supergirl and our community of Supergirl Radio listeners and viewers. So uh, stay tuned for that. Just going to tease that out. But uh, that's that's what we can do because of the, the Patreon. So uh, thank you for uh, everybody's support. And as a reminder, is this true, Rebecca? Do they have one more day? This is, Well, they have like maybe like 50 minutes <laughs> as a reminder you have several more minutes to <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give them less than an hour you have less than an hour to enter our flat supergirl photography contest if you're listening to this it's probably already too late <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh the deadline is tonight um which is november 10th in some places and right now i'm at the 11th uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> At midnight, so late. maybe, wherever you are, uh, to submit your photographs, you can download and print the flat Supergirl. I mean, although if you haven't by now, you're in some luck. You're probably not going to uh, do it's it. It's probably too late. Uh, but <laughs> then you're going to want to cut out flat Supergirl very quickly. quickly. <laughs> you could do it, though. As quickly as you can. You cut her out. Then you're going to attach her uh, with tape or glue to a popsicle stick and take a creative picture with flat Supergirl. There, you're limited at this time of night into what you can do with Flat Supergirl. <laughs> Just so be creative. You can. But maybe you want a midnight snack. Maybe you and Flat Supergirl want some cheesecake or something. Maybe you guys <laughs> are watching the Golden Girls sitting on the couch in your comfy clothes. Take that picture and then post it as quickly as humanly possible uh, to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook and tag at Supergirl Radio and use the hashtag Supergirl Adventures. And we will soon pick a winner and that winner will get a prize. Yeah, uh, Mark says Rebecca is setting the deadline in, in deadline in Central Time. Yes, <laughs> I'm being very generous. You have uh, 52 minutes or maybe... I'll, I'll say 11.59 p.m. Central Time. Uh, so, because if you say 
12 p 12 midnight like that gets a little confusing for people so 11 59 p.m get them in before then and uh then morgan and i will pick um a a winner so we'll we'll send you some cool stuff all right. Uh, I guess we need to get to our personal plugs. If you would like to keep up with me, you can find me on Vero at Derby Kid on Instagram at The Derby Kid. I'm also on a YouTube, uh, my personal YouTube channel called uh, Duck Milk Prod. Uh, you can find me doing live streams over there. I haven't been in a couple of weeks. I'm going to try to get back into it. I've just had so many conflicts on uh, Sunday at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. So I got to maybe find a better time because I'm having a lot of conflicts. So I need to get back to my Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice critical reception reviews of the reviews. Uh, so that will be uh, restarting soon. So stay tuned for that. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on DCTV After Dark, as well as Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which we had some scheduling conflicts this week. So we are also going to be doing a double episode. They weren't aired together. We just we just uh, got confused and <laughs> couldn't figure out our schedules. And so we are doing them together. So imagine it as like a, as a two part episode, even though they aired a week apart, <laughs> um, we'll be, uh, we'll be recording that later this week. So you should have your fun two part episode later this week as well. So maybe you've gotten behind, maybe it's a chance for you to catch up. Yeah, so definitely check out the Legends of Tomorrow podcast and the DC TV After Dark podcast. This is what we refer to as the Morgan Glennon podcast universe. <laughs> so definitely uh, check them out if you have not already done so. Well, we have gone quite a long so time. Long. I said we were not going to do three hours, and I think we ended up <laughs> over three hours. So my apologies to everyone for the extra long Supergirl Radio episode. But I think we I think we talked about some some good stuff. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson, and I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, the power of one individual is enough to move mountains. <laughs> McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, <laughs> they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.